Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner and you are listening to episode 15, Triple Double Telescopic. And as always on this show, my amazing co-hosts. First up, a man who has really let the Star Wars collecting community down in the last month by not being able to collect people's purchases from the recent Vector sales due to some pathetic excuse of having his ankle in plaster. It's Dickie Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Evening, guys. Got any remorse or apology to those who've let down? Um, haven't none whatsoever, but it's interesting that some guys have contractors and still pleaded with us to go down saying, surely you can drive. I must admit, Rich, I'm with them. I think it's an absolute total joke. And uh, I suggest why I introduce the other three, that you have a little think about your actions, okay? We, we need an apology, a real public apology, boys. Yeah, because I think that's really, really bad. Yeah, bad, it, bad form. it is. Yeah. It is. It's graceful. Well, next up then is a delightful young man with a little dribble coming out of his mouth while he's polishing his oddballs. It's Grant Criddle. Good evening, sir. Hey, guys. How's it going? Groovy. Groovy. Grant, if you could live on any planet in the Star Wars universe, where are you going to be living? Death Star. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> next is our big, friendly giant and slave layer focus collector, which is going really well as he's got a comb. It's Peter Davis. Good evening, Peter Weedy. Yo, 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 yo. And Pete. You have an obsession with Leia, we all know that, and the slave yeah. Leia outfit is clearly your choice of outfit for the beautiful oh, lady. Absolutely. So, if you were some sort of smuggler who'd ended up in Jabba's palace, and you saw her leaning against old Rebo's keyboard, what chat-up line would you woo her with? Oh, uh, it would be the Moon Stars one, you know, that one, whatever that is. I'm not very good at chat-up lines. Are you an angel? No, it would have to be the Moon Stars thing. What is it called? Your eyes are stars and your blah blah moon blah blah blah. I like when I asked the question, blah. he just went, he just started going, ugh, ugh, because that would do the trick. And finally is our Luke X-Wing pilot focus collector who recently got totally ruined by his family at Star Wars Monopoly. Totally embarrassing because he is in control of the family's finances. It's Jez. Good evening, Jezebel. Hello, everyone. Yeah, my nine-year-old destroys me. <laughs> yes, quite literally, I hear. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I taught her. I taught her well, because the second time we played, she she took no prisoners. I was, I, I had no chance. Um, now, when we decided to bring Jez on board for this podcast, we knew it was a good idea because of his vast knowledge and understanding. So Jez is going to tell us a little bit about Made in Mexico mock discoveries and the hole punches. Jez. <laughs> Yes, 
Well, th- this is where one could quite easily go wrong because the Made in Mexico, you're absolutely right. I've seen this on the Darth Vader. Now I've seen this on, what else have I seen this on? A Paplu, where on the back of the card, one might think that that card has had some significant damage and someone's actually punched a hole in it. And uh, one might then contact the seller and say, do you know what? There's a little bit of, you know, undescribed damage on this card only to be re-educated that these made in Mexico ones have actually deliberately got some sort of little air vent on the back, um, which is most peculiar. Yeah. What do you think about that then, Stu? Well, can I, can I ask Jez, when the seller told you what the reasoning was, did you say, oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it now. Um, yeah. Did you kind of offer him an apology? Did, did I ask him for an apology? <laughs> no, no, did you, did you offer him one? Kind of like having a, been in the wrong and questioning this product. Yeah, I think, um, I think I might have given it the whole LOL, yeah, sorry, what a dick sort of, uh, line. If you like, I can, I can check. That's a good attitude, Jez. So, Rich, have you got an apology for all those people you've let down? None. I haven't let any down this month. Boo. Oh. <laughs> Well, actually, I suppose I should apologise to Vectus because I've probably doubled their um, dispatch time on, on all of the items that they haven't posted yet. Ooh. Well, right. Let's move on to our purchases then and maybe uh, we can get that apology from Rich over the course of the show. So, let's go with Grant. What have you been purchasing? Uh, not much this month, mate. I got a uh, Lily Leddy resealed TIE fighter pilot from Phantom. Uh, it was a guy called Eric from Norway. And i got to be honest with you, that guy has the second best packaging for a posted item I've ever come across. It was absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, number one. Hmm? And that was Who's a guy called one? Andrew McGilligilligilligock from Scotland who had the best packaging I've ever had. And it was a card of the yak face as well. So really glad that he had the best packaging of all time. But... Yeah, these two guys definitely stand out. Best packaging ever. I thought I had the best package of all time. Wow. Well, well, Grant's going to do his top 100 countdown, Rich. It'll be interesting to see where you uh, <laughs> fall in that. That's going to be a separate podcast, though, okay? Okay. Uh, Jez, any purchases? Yeah, actually, this month I've been, <laughs> I've been quite lucky. I managed to get myself a couple of bootlegs. First of all, I got gifted a bootleg by the very kind Mark Carraway, uh, the guilty one. I'd, um, I'd sent him a, a presentation... Uh, which I'd put together on a memory stick, and I kind of just forgot about it. He sent me the memory stick back and said, oh, you know, I've got something for your trouble. And uh, he sent me a Polish Luke X-Wing bootleg, which was phenomenal. And uh, I was dead chuffed with that. A couple of weeks later, he then sends me a link to a first-generation blue Luke X-Wing bootleg, uh, which is on eBay, saying, this is great, it's a really good price if you can get it. Um, go for it. And I managed to get it at the starting price, so really, really chuffed with that. I also pushed the boat out uh, again, I'm afraid. And I managed to get myself a 21-back Kenner Luke X-Wing, Minton card, and Death Star Droid 21-back Minton card. So been very lucky this month after my um, misfortune last month. So uh, dead chuffed with those two items. What was the Death Star Droid on? Sorry, mate. 21. 21 back, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with regards to what type of uh, what type of back it is, I'd have to get back to you. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's great. It's got a significant crease down uh, the front, which you know reduced the uh, price quite a bit. But everyone was jumping on this, and fortunately, I was um, 
I was the first one to say yes. So I'm, I was delighted with that. I nearly got myself an R5-D4 at the same time, but I decided to uh, offer that one to someone else who, who might want it more than me. Um, maybe more on that later on. Do you think that's why you lost Monopoly? Because you're spending your money willy-nilly? Because um, I'm just too nice on people. <laughs> on this, you know, rough sort of killer exterior, I, I do actually have a bit of a soft side, which maybe uh, people can get the better of me sometimes. But there we go. <laughs> um, Rich, now, have you been buying mocks for your non-mock collecting collection? I haven't really bought a lot this month. Um, what have I got? Answer I got the question. Pass- Hang on a minute, um, hang on, hang on. Let, let me just sit down and prepare for this, because, like, you're unbought much, which means this is going to be at least an hour of you listing off thousands of things that you bought. Come on, I'm comfortable now. Go, go for it, Rich. What have I don't you bought? Ha- I don't have any mocks. I've got, um, I've got R5D4s that are still in their packaging. I have a Palatai Talking R2D2, um, which is great because it's got the R2 talking feature, and I'm pretty sure that's exclusive to the UK. Uh, I've got the remote control R2-D2, I've got a 20 back on a G-card R5-D4, I've got a Clipper R5-D4 mark, uh, a Trilogo R5-D4 mark, I've got a 77 back R5-D4 mark, I've got a Palatai A baggy uh, R5-D4, which I'm very pleased uh, that James Martin tipped me off on that one. i got a Lando Skiff and Luke's, Luke X-Wing Pilot Sigma mug. Loads and loads of acrylic cases from JW Acrylic, and my first five or six mock cases are now full. A Chewy Bandelier strap, a Land of the Jabba's playset, which completes all my playsets now from the early um, releases. And as the challenge that you set out last week, I got a remote control, sound caller, totally out the blue, bang, job done, see the rest of years in a year's time. <laughs> and I've just actually found three boxes that I haven't opened that I forgot what I bought, so I've got other stuff in there as well, but I'll, I'll open them next month because they're probably more. Well, not a lot then, Rich, not a lot. Just, just a couple of items there for Rich, as per usual. Rich, is that R5 Mint? The 20G one that you passed. The what? Yeah, the one which is on the card. No, it's it's got a bubble lifting in the bottom right-hand corner, which was disclosed on the item. Yeah. And but there's the a actual... tiny, tiny bit of damage in the top right-hand corner, but it's certainly I can live with it. But the it's figure itself, you'd, you'd say the figure was mint, yeah? The, the figure is mint, yes. And it's but... on a card? And it's on a card, yes. So what is it? It's a it's an R five D four in its original packaging. But it's mint on card. Yeah, it's mint and it's yes in its packaging. It. <laughs> but uh, no, cheers, Jez, because you did. Uh, that's that's what friends do. Look out for each other. And when we've got gaps in the collection, little deals between each other, and I'll keep my eye out for something for you in return. I am. Um, I find it incredible, Rich, that a out of work teacher is buying that much stuff. A one legged out of work teacher. <laughs> Yeah. A um, limping, limping, one-legged, out-of-work Geordie teacher. I reckon. I reckon that's the reason he's not gone to Vectis because he can't afford the petrol because he's blowing it all here in the Star Wars mocks. I think he's living uh, in his shed up down the back of, back of the garden at the moment. He's been kicked out for all that Star Wars line. I'm going to Spain in three weeks, so I need to curb me spending a little bit. <laughs> he left it late, haven't you? It's all right. Um, um, Pete, what have you been spending your pennies on? My pennies. Um, there seems to have been quite a lot of card back, not you know, loose card backs or cardboard, as Richard calls them, that have been coming up all over the place. I've been kind of hoovering a, a few up. Um, the, the, there was a real kind of lack of them on eBay. You know, the, the decent ones. There was loads of Return of the Jedi ones, but there's been some really good Star Wars ones as well. So you know, twenty-one backs, that sort of thing. 
Um, so I've been hoovering up a lot of cards. So I bought about 20 odd cards recently. Um, young Dan Burgess has been selling off some stuff. He bought uh, some bits and pieces. I've been buying. I'm, I'm now too shy of my my loose run. I got a Luke Poncho of him, so I'll be picking that up at Farthest From and a few loose ships for the people. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, oh, and a couple of card figures off Ian. So there's a Gamorian guard and myself on a piece of card, which is a Rancor Keeper. But, um, oh, and something I, that Grant kind of like inspired me to buy, um, which was the, the TV Times from when Star Wars came out. I had to pick that up when it came out onto TV. So, uh, I, it is amazing. I, I really do suggest anyone to get it. I think we should, might do a little, I might do a little featurette a bit later on this podcast on that because, uh, uh, Craig has been answering the questions I have on a, on a comic strip that featured in that issue. So it's, uh, it is a fascinating, fascinating little piece. Um, and well worth the uh, seven squid I paid for it. So, um, yeah, not too much because I've got a busy month this month with Secret Cinema, Madden Two Swords, and then obviously at the end of the month, um, Farthest From. So, taking it easy. Good what about you, Stu? What about you, Stu? Apart from Ewok Battle Wagons. I haven't bought any Ewok Battle Wagon yet. <laughs> but, uh, um, not actually a lot because I bought Kitchen. Um, Is it Star Wars month? Kitchen? Is it Cantina? <laughs> Really didn't need to replace our kitchen, but more. Is it a cantina, Stu? Did you make it a cantina? <laughs> I'm trying to, mate. Yeah, not a great deal. You you picked up TV Times. I actually picked up two 1982 Looking magazines. Do you remember Looking? Look it, yes. I bought them just purely because they had double page spread of Star Wars toys in them. But um, that really is a strange magazine because one month the pullout poster is of Tommy Cannon, and the other one I've got the pullout poster is of Shaking Steven. So. I'm What's a bit strange about, about that. Strange Yeah, but at the time that he was, they, they were huge. Cannonball were monstrous. They were every He's kid's like toy. Denim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we were wearing then. He talked about what's uh, not the denim look. Yeah, I picked up some more Polish bootlegs, um, Hoff Rebel Soldier, and another Attack Driver. That's three bootlegs. I've got the same figure now, but they're all different. The Are only mock I picked up was Paplu. A relation. Cheers. <laughs> And he's got a battle wagon playing as well. Um, the Darth Vader telephone. Oh, I love that. That's going to display lovely. And it still works. It turns and everything. That's not vintage, too. Are you sure it's um, not a 1996 telephone? <laughs> um, I picked up two pieces of Sigma. I've got the cookie jar, which has cost me a lot of money to get back into the, <laughs> the UK. And the Ewok music box. And I've also picked up a couple of the Japanese Chirashi flyers for Empire Strikes Back, which I love. They're only small, but they're brilliant. Just like you used to They'd probably be massive to you. <laughs> like a full-size poster in my arms. Billboard. Please. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. The beetle arms. But I want to get the, um, there was two for Jedi and three for Star Wars, so that is my target, to get all them framed. But that you're is it. Tar- you're going to targets you. You've got a garage to fill, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> is it, any, any progress on the garage? It is, it's, it's being worked on weekly. So it's so, getting, getting good. It's quite so clear, it's quite clear. So you can almost see, cabinets. See the first or two layers above the floor now. Oh, I can see two walls which I've measured up already. Wow! Yeah, Batman and stuff. Oh yeah, all good. Two whole walls. Good times. Yeah. Uh, Rich, ready to apologise? It. Come on, Rich. There's people crying out there. We could Come just on. ignore it. I, I apologise for the lack of frequency in Vector's portion, but rest assured, I'll be fit and able for the next auction, which I think is in September. I wouldn't go, listeners, I wouldn't actually go with that um, as a set date. Cause I don't He's really just made that up. He's just made yeah, that up. Yeah, I think he has. 
<laughs> He's just, right. that, that, that's an apology to come. That is, that's all right. That's, that's next month's apology sorted. Rich, why don't you tell them that you have this information? You just can't tell the listeners yet. Because I don't want to sound like a tit. Okay, okay, we'll move on. Uh, Grant, I believe you have prepared a question for us this month that will tax our every fibre. Yeah, I have, and it actually it's kind of backfired when I got my results in. But we're going to do it anyway, and it's going to be a bit like family fortunes. So unlike being competitive against each other, you're actually going to learn to work together as a team. So what I want is the top 10 rarest Trilogo carded figures. And this isn't a list compiled by myself. I've actually asked uh, Trilogo collectors to put their top 10 together, and then using the point system, I've worked out the actual top 10 rarest Trilogo carded figures. Now I will give you... 30 seconds to name each one and if you get just like family fortunes if you get three wrong it's all over so are you guys ready before you start no hybrids no long bubbles square bubbles just general yeah a hybrid a hybrid is a tri logo yeah yeah hybrid there's nothing to do with bubbles just your standard ordinary paddy toy tri logos don't worry about bubbles or anything like that. Hybrids okay. are included because they are part of the Trilogo collection. I do remember some of this, boys. I have interviewed Joe and Ed. Yeah, and Miss Cards Yeah, yeah well. but remember, you have Miscards. to remember, though, that I've asked a group of Trilogo collectors, and they might not agree, so you might be surprised by some of Oh, Joe and Ed's raw card would definitely go beyond there. So, okay, for your first answer, I'm going to start now. You've got 30 seconds to discuss between you, and then can I give me an answer, please? Joe. We've got to go with Joe, boys. Yep. Do it. Ed, Ed had never seen one uh, since he passed up a resale. Okay, right. are you going to go with that? Yep. Okay, congratulations. And second place is Jawa. Next one, please. General Maydean, we'll get that one out of the way. Come on. Richard's favourite. Okay, General Maydean, congratulations. That's the first one. Next one, please. It's not the top ones, lads, but Cloud Car Pilot's one of them, I'm sure. I yep. think. Oh, not sure now. Well, <laughs> it's a hybrid, isn't it? It's a tough, it's a tough hybrid. Twenty seconds. Well, we know that. Three lives. I, I drive out certainly in there. It is the rarest of the hybrid, isn't it? The cloud car pilot. I think he's up there with hammer. Ten seconds. Yeah, go we'll go with it. We'll go with go it. Go on and go with it, Jez. Yeah. Yeah, cloud car pilot. Congratulations, number four, cloud car pilot. Oh. Controversial. Three lives remaining. I would, I would urge towards Emperor's Royal Guard. Okay, start. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking to my team. And you've got uh, to back off, let's Dennis. <laughs> what? I agree, Stu. Emperor's Royal Guard. Final answer? Yeah. Emperor's Royal Guard. Congratulations. Number six on the list. Ooh, yes. oh, Still got three lives left. Oh, well, what else? Uh... If you think about uh, the other hybrids, there are some easy ones, mm-hmm. such as the. Um, best bin guard, black best bin guards, and the oh, snaggle tooth is reasonably easy. What else is there? Hammerhead? The 15 seconds. Hammerhead, Greedo. The, uh, that drive has quite a tough one to get. That commands a high. Hammerhead. Green. Now, one of the horns is. One of the, one Five of the seconds. Pedals. Off hand. Um, hammerhead. 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 Say hammerhead. Go with hammerhead for a minute. Yeah. Okay, hammerhead. Let's have a look here. Go on. Hammerhead is number seven. Yes. One of the one of the hand solos is is rare, but I'm not can't remember whether it was the small head or the large head. I think. 
if it's trilogue, I would have thought it was a small head. Small head, yeah. I'll, I've never but heard small head trilogue. No. That's why it's really rare, Rich. <laughs> well, um, yes, is you the might. White Best Bing Guard? Yeah. Well, I would chuck the At At Driver and IG88 both in because they're I've, both. At At Driver, I bought for 40 quid at Father's from last year. Which? Which one? Eight seconds. At At Driver, I bought for 40 quid last year. Go an answer. Go the up on it. Go the up on it. White Best Bing Guard. IG88. IG88. Okay, what is your final answer, please? IG88. On Richard's shoulders, this one. IG88. Oh, Rich. You have two lives left, and you still have one, two, three, four to get. I think a white bespin guard, I'm pretty sure. What about Boba Fett? White bespin? I think white bespin's on a trilogy, a hybrid. 20 seconds, guys. On a hybrid? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. I only thought the black one was the hybrid. 10 seconds to go. What about Yak Face? He's probably... Go on, guys. One of you choose one. Four. Go with it, go with it, Jez, if you're, if you're comfortable. White best bin guard, white best bin guard. I'm sorry, Jez, that's number 11. <laughs> what about Boba Fett? One life left. Oh, Boba Fett's not there. Neither's Yak Face. It's just expensive, isn't it? Yep. You have one, two, three, four left to get, and you have one life. Do you think, do you think the other hybrids are on there? Not Snag and not Black Best Bin. No, because Greedo comes up every now and then. I wouldn't say that's particularly rare at all. You're doing really well, but you've only got one life left, so you're not doing very well at all. <laughs> Four to go. <laughs> L- Leah Holt, Leah Holt's quote. Mm. Yeah, Leah Holt's pretty rare, isn't she? Three seconds, oh, please. Okay, guys, can I have an answer, please? Yeah, go with it, Jez, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go with it again. Uh, Leah Holt. Jez, this is your last life, by the way. Yes. Don't ruin it for everyone now. <laughs> Are you sure you're going to go with Leah Hoff? Yes. All right. Leah Hoff is the wrong answer. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You totally lost that. You missed Boba Fett at number three. Oh, oh, oh. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I think I need an apology there. <laughs> I was just being told by experts, experts, supposedly, <laughs> that... No, no, there's loads of them. Uh, Rich, can I have uh, an apology, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked at that because you can pick up a trilogue or fair virtually any time. There's loads for sale. Oh, I'm, well, I'm disputing clearly. that. Clearly. I'm disputing that. No, there is no trilogue Boba Fett on eBay all the time, ever. Um, there was Can't one believe. that was opened that was sold at Vectors for a grand and a half a few months ago. That's how rare they are. And that was an opened one. What, sold a month ago? That's not that rare. One sold last month. Okay, well, no, exactly, but it was open. It was really rare. That was one of the ones that came up on that. Um, I bet you it's the best spins. Best spin Luke's going to be on there, isn't it? Best spin Luke came in at number eight. Luke Hoff was number five. And I said were, Luke Hoff. And the one you were missing at number ten was Yakface. Mm. Someone said Yakface, and then someone... Me. Someone. It was me. Rich told me no. Rich Who booed it? Rich, to be honest with you, brother, in all honesty, if you don't think fair is rare and you think the Attack driver is... Brother, we have trouble. <laughs> the thing is, that's the kind of question, though, that you could ask another Trilogo collector and they'll come up with a different ten. Uh, that's why I asked many Trilogo collectors. This is Five. actually a list of a point system from many collectors so I asked. Would it still be in this question? the format of that question. Yeah, some of that too. There was, yeah. uh, there was many I'm others sorry. as well that got mentioned, things like Nine Num, Sam Person, Tide Pilot, 
Luke Storm, Akbar, Greedo. But what I did notice was you have your main three, which is Medine, Jawa, Fett. Then there's a big drop in oh, points Oh, oh you sure about Fett there, Grant? What's that? You sure about Fett? I'm totally sure about Fett. Then there's a big drop then in points then to Luke Hoff, Emperor's Royal Guard, and Cloud Car Pilot. And then there's another big drop in points then, and then you've got basically everything underneath that. Uh, depending on people's opinion, but everyone pretty much agreed. Medine, Jawa, Fett are the rarest. Cloud Car Pilot, Luke Half, Emperor, Royal Guard are the second rarest, and after then it's a free for all. So there we go, guys. Congratulations, you totally messed it up. Did we yeah, win any prizes? You know, when you say an answer and it goes, and you win like a a garden set or something oh, like that. No, I tell you what, you can have. You can have a post production sound effect. How's that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> About that for a dollar. <laughs> right, shall we go on to the vintage Star Wars in the news? Finds in the wild. Losing one Star Wars mojo. Star Wars from another generation. Rebels Season 2 UK release date announced. The Rebel base is on a moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Okay then, Rich, uh, there's been a story to do with Hollywood heroes and some DT sabers, I believe. Yeah, that's correct, Stu. Jordan Hember of Hollywood Heroes fame recently advertised three DT looks mint on card on Facebook for $17,000 each. Now, it has to be said that a few people have actually said this isn't really a new story because these were actually advertised back in December, albeit as part of the kit with the other items that were for sale. And there wasn't much of an uptake back then, and I think that's probably quite right in that buyers were a little bit, mm, you don't often see DT look mint on cards for sale, and there was a bit concerned about the provenance for the amount of money that was being quoted back at the time. So Jordan sent these off to AFA, who obviously couldn't guarantee the backstory, which we'll go into in a second, but at least guarantee that they're genuine and they're scored an AFA 80. Pete, is your market watch guy, were there only the three DT looks available, or were there other figures for sale? No, there were some other ones. There was a Leia, R2, and some other ones. Chewbacca, wasn't it? Jez, DT Luke, Chewie, a Leia original, and the R2-D2. So what's the significance of those four characters? Well, they're the early bird characters, Rich. Bingo! And that brings us to the story about where they come from. Early bird characters, how have these ended up as a mock? Do you think it's just overstock? Yeah, I think that's certainly what Jordan's claiming anyway, and that they originated from a, a General Mills employee who worked in the packaging department for early bird kits. Now obviously once they received the pre-orders for the redeemed coupons, they were left with a lot of baggies and a lot of kits. What did they end up doing with them? They opened them up and they slapped them on cards. Why do you think they appeared on 12 Cs? Why not on the 12A card back or the 12B? I take it you know the answer to this. Is it because 12As and 12Bs were already packaged ready for the shops? Bingo, I agree with that. 12As and 12Bs were obviously already in production to rush them out and meet the demand. So obviously by the time you're taking what it takes to get them on the shelves, the 12As and Bs were already through the production run. 
So if these figures were assembled for another purpose and then stripped down and repackaged onto different unintended cardstock, what's the difference between these and Toy Tonys? They were originally factory sealed. They weren't originally factory sealed, though, were they? Oh, you mean like as in they were done in the same place? Yeah, the original vintage figures sealed in the Kenner factory. I mean, I agree with that. I don't think there's any doubt at all whatsoever they're not unoriginal items. But do you have any kind of uneasiness at all that these were originally bagged items intended to be in the tray, and yet they've ended up as carded items, so they've been opened, and then they've been sent off to a factory to be repackaged? Not at all. How much did these sell for them? 17 grand in bucks. 17,000. Well, two of them sold for 17,000. One of them didn't. One of them uh, went for a little bit less. I think it went for 15,000. I think there was a dispute in the grade and that off I gave it. Perhaps it wasn't as quite as nice as the other ones. What we've seen recently in like the fair and other ridiculous figures, it doesn't even seem that bad. I'd have thought we'd gone for a lot more than that, to be honest with you, each one. Certainly when you compare it against the the Jewish Umid auction, some of the DT items in there, which were I'm not I'm, I mean I'm hesitant to use one of a kind, but there were there were certainly few of a kind. And for those to be going for nearer the eight to eleven thousand dollar mark and these which I'm not gonna say they're common, but in the grand scheme of things, they are available. Seventeen thousand, what does that work out? It's about four well, I think that Jordan came on and answered that really well by saying there's 80 plus Rocket Fire and Boba Fetts, and there are things rarer than that, but the Rocket Fire and Boba Fett commands a lot more money than one offs and two offs because people really want that, and the same with a carded DT Luke. Do you think that the carded DT Luke is the one that's got everybody excited because the others, the Vader and the Ben, are really are unobtainable? I think it's a major Star Wars carded figure. Anyone who's a collector of carded figures, especially Star Wars carded figures, that is going to be their priority, their, their main goal would be a DT Luke. In this haul, I believe there were five R2-D2s. Did you notice anything special? Yeah, it looked like the R2-D2s were beat in retreat. They were backwards, <laughs> weren't they? Well, one of them was backwards. I'm, I'm not sure the other four were. But one of them was backwards and a lot of people are really interested in that. Stu, I think you're one of the guys who's a bit neat and tidy. Would a backwards R2-D2 bother you on a mock? If it was a really, really rare figure inside it, then not. But there's lots of R2s around. I'd rather have them facing the right way. There's four other ones that are facing the correct direction. What was the price difference between them? Surely between the back-to-front one sold cheaper than the front-facing one. No, it was the other way around. Really? To a focus collector, a backwards-facing dark blue solid dome R2, it's just that little bit more desirable. Grant? Would a backwards-facing TIE fighter pilot irritate you, or would it be something that you would pick up because it's a little bit different? No, I could go with all the rest of them. I'd love that, mate. Yeah? Oh, yeah. One of the things that really stuck out to me on this, especially reading the thread and sort of like the discourse on Rebel Scum, is the, hi- is the fact that the people posting on there were highlighting the fact that Jordan chose Facebook to sell this. And to me, that is a major game-changer. That is like the Franz Ferdinand bit of Facebook becoming a predominant part of the vintage Star Wars community. I mean, it's been threads on the forums are dying out there's a lot less posting going on on the forums and this I think Jordan has chose this instead of going to Rebel Scum which I thought would have been the obvious choice he's gone to Facebook and they've sold straight away and I think that says a lot Facebook is killing off or is trying to kill off forums because people know that Facebook has a much wider reach I know oh, a little while back Facebook tried their kind of shop thing I mean I, as a business kind of owner or someone who works myself I got calls from Facebook saying you should start selling your goods on Facebook but it just seemed a lot of hassle and a lot of kind of you don't really know what the market would be and how far it would spread so I mean this could be maybe the start of the end 
of the forums that we know, which would be a real shame because, you know, let's face on Facebook, anyone can just chime in. Let me chime in now, because I think you're wrong. I think whilst at the moment we're seeing this massive surge of Facebook, because it's very easy for people to go on Facebook and just communicate with all sorts of different people and various different various different groups and whatnot. And you have to be dedicated to go into the forum, which is the problem at the moment. But what we're seeing is this increase in collectors. Yeah, there's possibly, you know, a few other people who are just, you know, in on the bandwagon. There might even be some professional footballers who are just thinking, oh, I've got loads of money. Oh, I've just sneezed and earn myself £10,000, what I'll do is I'll buy one of these figures because they're great, because that's the iconic thing. That's the perceived grail, whereas there's only the deep down collectors who look at these prototypes and think, wow, that's amazing. So we can all look at this and think, wow, look at that translucent lightsaber. You know, look at that. That went for so much cheaper. It was still a lot of money, but that was, that's a one of a kind grail. I think we're seeing different collectors in at the moment. And what will happen is those collectors who are a flash in the pan, they will go and the Facebook groups will start to become slightly less popular. And then what will happen is those collectors who we think might be flashing the pans and actually then stick around they're going to want more information and where do they go for that information they go to the forums so at the moment the forums are seeing a little bit of a you know a little bit of a lull a little bit of a oh no woe is me i just say dry your eyes princess because everyone's going to be coming back soon the forums will pick up and uh, and people will be going there because it's the only place to get information yeah that's a very good point about facebook and i think it's certainly something that we should look at very soon with regards to the impact that facebook has had and is going to have on the community and are we going to see any sort of fight back from the forums or should the forums not be worried but for today's story i don't want to focus too much on facebook other than the fact that as grant said it's fantastic that jordan has put his faith into the facebook groups how would somebody like jordan trust a seventeen thousand dollar transaction through facebook with somebody who's possibly got zero reputation when, when you look at Facebook, you can kind of get a feeling just looking at their account, whether there's someone who's going to be maybe trouble or someone who's not. Someone who's got their family on there, their details, and their home address, and that stuff. I mean, unless they've really gone to some major, major effort, you can pretty, you know, I mean, you've still got certain protections from PayPal and stuff if you do it properly. But I think you can, you can make a quick call on someone who is genuine. I mean, I mean, so far I've used Facebook for lots of transactions and I've not had a single one go wrong because I don't deal with anyone who is four friends, doesn't have a picture of themselves themselves only like porn stars and that's it i mean you, you get a very quick feeling on who is genuine and who's not uh, yeah john's not stupid is he so i'll just run down through the other items i mean obviously the dt looks has taken all the attention but the other items are worth mentioning as well now what jordan had was uh, the three looks that were so advertised and he claims to have had a fourth one as well with any idea where he found the fourth wasn't it the same seller that he got the items from found another one in a drawer yeah just imagine that a dt luke carded item lying in a drawer possibly forgotten for 30 years it's just staggering so amongst those items anyway we've got the the five r2s which i believe all of them would have been um, dark blue one of them backwards five lias and two chewies one of the guys who's bought a lia has certainly chimed in to say that there are notable differences between the lia on the 12c and a typical lia which leads more credence to jordan's story and that these are original early bird lias so all in all a great story and i'm looking forward to any more items that Jordan's going to uncover in the coming months. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 
Right, Rich then, so losing one's Star Wars mojos. Well, this type of thread appears fairly regularly on the forums, but the reason why I've chosen to discuss it today is because of the sheer volume of threads from guys who've been collecting from anything from 2 to 20 years, all appearing around at the same time. Now, the first point I'd like to look at is, for what reason do you think one could be losing their mojo? Jess, I believe you might have been suffering from this a month or so back. What could you pinpoint down to? Personally, it was a load of stuff going on in my life at the time work wise my work rate had increased significantly so something had to give and it certainly wasn't going to be family time or doing anything like that so what was naturally given was my time online and I just felt completely disassociated with what was going on because I wasn't part of it and I think also the explosion of Facebook groups whilst it is a positive with the incessant just post look what I got post look what I got post look what I've got over and over again and some of these things are you know thousands of pounds worth of stuff it just makes you think, oh my good God, how, how have people got that much disposable income? Is that where the market is nowadays? I'm out of the market. I, there's just no way I can keep up. You know, I, I've got everything I want and I can afford to get pretty much at this level. Yeah, this is crazy. But I think it, it's time. We're, we're meant to be living in an easier world where everything is convenient. But I find even now, the more and more convenient stuff we get, actually the less spare time I've got. I think it's just priorities. You've brought up two good points here. The first point I actually have only heard mentioned once before. And it was some guy on one of the Facebook threads a while back was saying that people are starting to get to that age now where we are all late 30s, early 40s. And a lot of people are taking on more responsibility at work because, you know, you're getting to the moving on to the next stage, middle of management, upper management, and it's just more time being demanded of you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with him. Um, I feel priced out in the market. So much has kind of put me off collecting a little bit. But then I realised, I don't have to buy this stuff I can just enjoy the hobby so it was sort of like a reassessment but I think definitely that the Facebook groups have turned into some kind of contest and I'm not going to collect it for that at all it's made me really um, homesick of the forums yeah you've, you pick up on your second point there which I suppose that most people are going to relate to the prices at the moment because the, the prices have gone insane but I noticed on I think it was Facebook again one of the guys was on there was saying that he's maxed out his credit cards but he keeps transferring them to these um, zero interest balance transfers I, I don't have credit cards I'm not exactly sure what, what, what these are to me where's the fun in that there's no fun whatsoever any of us could go and get a credit card for 5-10 grand balance on it and rack it up in the matter of days and then be left paying it off for quite a while I think everyone goes through it doesn't it I, I have weeks where you think oh I look at my collection and think oh I'll spend all that and spend a cracking holiday but I think that's just life isn't it that's just the cycle people are in but the money spent it's gone up to is just I can't afford that with a family and you kind of think but I just won't buy it I've found other ways I buy the Sigma items because they are within reach and I will try and get the whole lot so it's just a matter of moving your um, your focus is around isn't it I think a few of us would be in that same kind of situation and I remember talking to Chris Mann a while back remember that Pub of the Force Nick Doe he picked up his comment on that was pretty good where he said I haven't spent the money it's always there it's just in a different way at the moment and I think when I look at some of my collection now and I'm thinking of what I'm spending certainly for the foreseeable future it's not going to come down in price and if it does it's not going to come down in price a lot so the money's always there Pete one of the other items that keeps coming up a lot is oversaturation whether this is oversaturation of Star Wars in general or Jez has said oversaturation with Facebook groups etc etc do you think that's contributing at all to people losing the mojo well, you have to remember there's there's a huge, and we've talked about this about a year ago when we first started, that because of the the interest in Star Wars and, like you said, the the demographic. But you have to remember Star Wars was immensely popular, and if you think about that, people of my age are having kind of have got kids and stuff. You're suddenly adding even more people to Star Wars. 
So they want to meet that demand of people. And yeah, you are going to get oversaturation because there's millions and millions of people. So this price rise, I mean, I'm a little bit shocked that people haven't seen it coming because there's been so many people coming into the hobby and you're going to get this influx of people who are coming in it for cash, going to get some people coming in it for the enjoyment of it. I mean, I return to it because I enjoy it and I don't pursue the high-end items i mean they have i have no interest in competing with somebody who i know will outbid me there's just there's so many people will better outbid you so it's very unlikely you're, you're going to get the top end stuff and, and that doesn't interest me there's tons of stuff out there to collect yeah one of the things i find as well it must be you collectors coming into the market that have really rocketed the valuation of some of these figures up because if you were collecting two three four five years ago and you had an opportunity to buy a Klaatu on the jedi card for 30 pound and you turned it down those years years ago would you now buy one for 120 pounds you just wouldn't would you because you'd say that i'm sorry it's just not worth that it's not worth 90 pounds more than what it was a few years ago there was a post on Reverscom recently where a guy looked at some items that haven't changed in price much over the last 10 years. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I'd urge you to go and check it out. Uh, unfortunately, I can't remember any items exactly off the top of your head. I think one of them may have been the boxed A-Wing fighter, where it just hasn't really changed in price. Yeah, I can and, believe that. And, it, and that, that's a bit surprising. Well, I think the uh, the box ships, is a, it's a collapsed market, isn't it, compared to what it was 20 yeah. years ago? Do you think it's because of the size of the boxes that people yeah. aren't really getting into them? Yeah, and the condition as well unless it's sealed or contents never used people aren't really interested in beta boxes which is a bit of a shame but I reckon that's the internet for you most tend to be missing the inserts aren't they I mean that seems to be virtually most things you see the inserts are missing they aren't complete and I think that's why you're getting a lot of these prices are kind of have stayed on those I'm not worried about the inserts I'm, re- I'm really not you know I was turning down those the skiffs in Anaheim because they only had them to go with a box and I wanted it on display I don't worry about the inserts I mean what does that matter to me yeah, inserts matter to me. But I agree yeah. with Jez on that. With, with the ships, I want, when I finally got my display, I want the ships out and loose on display. Because a lot of those box ships, they're massive. But what I was going to say is, in recent weeks, I've worked some long old hours, 14-hour days. And I think getting tired and not having much time on your own, you, that's when I start to go through those things of, oh, do I really want to collect? But then during one of those weeks, I had my little box come over from America. There's nothing better than opening a box. There's two mocks in it, my Chewbacca Sigma mug, and a load of loose figures from Ian. And it is the best feeling, best feeling in the world. What I want to say as well is, just from noticing what the market is like over the last couple of years, Star Wars collecting does dip in the UK in the summer because people want to go out in the sun and enjoy themselves and go on holiday. And, and that's what they should be doing. You know, it, Star Wars normally picks up in the spring and in the winter when there's nothing else to do but to pray that a postman turns up. If it's the summertime, you should probably be outside. Probably also a little element of Anaheim come down for me as well, possibly, you know, because everything was so much up there and amazing in April. We're still getting used to it and still adjusting in May. Something that Grant just said, though, that I just sprung into mind. He said about the summer, it's interesting that the Force Friday launch of all Force Awakens products, which is going to apparently decimate toy stores around the country, and people will be queuing up for several days to get their hands on the first line of whatever they're releasing on the Force Friday in September. I wonder if that will have an impact on vintage stuff, because you're certainly going to get, yeah, that that's kind of the date they put aside for the market to be swamped with new stuff. And I wonder if that would draw away some of the, the kind of the, the newcomers. I don't, I don't want to insult anyone who's come in recently, but you know, I wonder if that, that would take away 
away a few bit collectors and take away the the sort of like uh, the focus off some of this vintage stuff and actually people go right I'm going to start collecting this <sighs> stuff now I think that's a good point Pete I think if judging by episode one you will see people who are vintage collectors but Star Wars fans as well they will be investing heavily in Force Awakens stuff and you might see that maybe we'll be able to buy a Star Wars Return of the Jedi eraser for under £25 like we used to the last area I want to touch on before we move on is Scammers and Backdooring now to the best of your knowledge there haven't been any huge scams recently like what we've had in the past yeah but what I'm seeing a lot more of is people joining Facebook who are perhaps only been a member of a month or so stealing photographs from some EB auction putting it up for sale and then the deal going wrong and it's happened frequently and I think it's part of the nature of Facebook where it's so easy to create an account on a on any random Gmail or Yahoo account set up a profile sell an item and then you disappear untraceable I think on Facebook, if if someone's selling something, and obviously you can go and look at their Facebook profile, if they haven't got many friends and they look a bit, thinking, all right, most people on Facebook been on there for a while. I've got a bunch of pictures that go back so many years. So, and you know, I mean, everyone's got like 200 plus friends somewhere. Even if they're they don't really have any friends, they have 200 plus friends. But like Stu, but it, it, it's one of those things where you think, hang on a minute, look, you know, use common sense. If you see someone who's come onto Facebook and they they haven't they haven't really got a profile, then don't buy from them. If someone turns up with a mask on to farthest from and sits in the corner trying to sell stuff then you probably wouldn't trust them they probably think it's going to be a bit dodgy so you know let's let's face it use your common sense on those so to summarise all of them I think the best advice that we can give to people who are losing the mojo and thinking about ditching the hobby I'd say number one is do nothing at first don't be in a rush to sell your stuff and certainly don't sell anything that you're going to regret just just take your time take a few months off the forums and, and Facebook and just relax and enjoy life and then come back into it slowly have a look at your pieces if you're not getting any fun from the pieces that you've got then by all means sell them but keep the ones that you are getting interest from and and also with regards to prices do you really need to have everything um, from each line do you need every single proof card do you need every single mock where we are very much in the got to have got to have and we've got to have it right now generation and we really don't to me there's no fun in winning the lottery overnight and buying the, the top Star Wars collections in the world the next day it's not what it's about Death Star approaching Right, Rich, you've got an update from the Star Wars Collector's Archive, pal? Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a look at the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog, which we've discussed in the past, as it is a fantastic way of getting contact out to Star Wars fans. And I felt as though it's been quite Anaheim heavy recently, which is fine, you know, that's great if that's your thing. But Ron Salvatore's put an article up there called Zine Scene. Now, Pete, I believe that you've got an interest in zines and me actually produce some. Can you tell our listeners what a zine is? A fanzine, Rich, is a small fan publication, uh, usually done on photocopier, uh, usually put together paper, then photocopied, but obviously now you can do it on wonderful programmes. I remember a British Star Wars one, mate. Yeah? Yeah, that was called The Outsider, which was our version of The Star Wars Insider, which obviously we couldn't get because that was an American magazine. So inside this uh, zine, many articles, ones I've highlighted are bootleg videos, Star Wars parties, a Boba Fett mystery, and something that's imaginatively titled Stretching Ewok Pelts, which certainly sounds fun. So what do you think the mystery of the Boba Fett is about? Is it about the rocket-firing Fett? It certainly is, and it, it claimed that it's possibly the earliest noted publication of the rocket firing FET. Grant, you're pretty good on, on your dates and things, certainly back then. 1993, do you think that's possibly the first piece of literature that references a record firing FET? Well, you've got the um, the trade catalogues, only the trade magazines that you'd have at the time. I'm not sure if Modern Mart in the UK was out then or, or anything like that, but I think you've got Sansweet's early 
books concept from screen to collectibles might reference it. In fact, I think it does reference uh, the Rocket Fire and Boba Fett, but I'll have to I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, so the article discusses how children would bulk purchase Star Wars figures and remove the pops or, or nameplates as we would have done over here, and then begin the long waiting game for the postman to deliver the promised fet. And a great ending line to the first section is, children were utterly heartbroken. Had they been maniacal in their loyalty to Kenner's Star Wars toy line, only to be rewarded with this grievous insult. Leading on from there then, so the article goes into the whole reasons why the rocket firing FET never made it into mass production. Any ideas why back in the early 80s, a small plastic figure with a small plastic part deemed unsuitable? Mate, I've got nine-year-old twins, and they can stick stuff where you don't want stuff stuck, if you get my drift, yeah? So I understand that kids, you know, it's a health hazard, and these guys just had to be careful, didn't they? So it was a part which could have disappeared somewhere. Having said that, if they were so worried about that, why did they sell figures with weapons? Do you think that the actual firing mechanism of this rocket firing FET was just as bad as the small part itself? Perhaps the actual the rocket firing mechanism of it shooting out rather than, and lodging in someone's throat rather than putting a weapon in your mouth is why they, why they went with it. The article then discusses how some of these FETs made it into production and already there were guys trying to fake them. Grant, faking rocket firing FETs back in 1993. What do you think the reason for that would be? I can certainly understand today, but back then why? Uh, because they're rare and valuable. How valuable do you think they would have been in the early 90s? Well, I remember uh, coming across in the early 90s people who had cut the heads off stormtroopers and hollowed out their heads to use them as replacements for Luke uh, Stormtrooper last 17 helmets. So if they were were faking those then, they were probably faking a lot of other stuff. He states it in this scene that Jason Joyner at the time claimed there was between 1,000 and 1,500 existed, which is surely nowhere near the number. Usually about 80 to 85, I believe, maybe a bit more. Yeah, so the reason why I highlighted this article is, um, it's not just obviously about the rocket firing effect, which is great, but it's the effort that these guys have gone to to produce a zine, and then the fact that Ron's tracked one down after so many years because there weren't a lot of these made. Well done, Ron. Thanks for sharing. What's also very interesting is that Ron sourced an interview with the editor of the magazine, which delves a little further into the zine, and it had a nod to T-Bone, who was the creator of a very early Star Wars website called StarWars.com. Grant, you know T-Bone a little bit, don't you? Yes, mate, I remember him. He was uh, one of the guys who had access or or put on the internet deleted scenes from uh, the Star Wars films and this is well before sort of behind the magic or DVD as well I remember this is some of the first times I saw some of the uh, deleted scenes I certainly remember wasting a lot of time in uh, 1993-1994-ish on some very very early Star Wars websites and remember the Texas A&M if you don't who do you think Texas A&M evolved into? Oh, the Forcenet. Very early website. You may not be aware of. The data pad evolved into Jedi Net, um, which was quite big around the Phantom Menace time. Um, and I believe that's evolved into the Galactic Senate. But if you remember um, Star Wars websites back in the day, two things that were very, very common with them. The first one was clicking the refresh button every 30 seconds when you were frustrated that the page wouldn't load. And then perhaps after the fifth or sixth time, you would just give up. Can you remember the, the links that we saw to a page that said under construction? How times have changed. If you haven't visited the SWCA blog yet, do so now. You would regret it if you didn't go. And in two years' time, you had to go back and reread all the fantastic stuff that's in there at the moment. Rebel Base 3 minutes and closing. Season 2 of Rebels UK release date. Yes, I know. I was just about to... Well, I had a rant on Disney all prepared, but I've just heard some news in the last half hour that makes um, a lot of this not true now. 
But I do want to say, I don't know what Disney UK are playing at, because not only did we have much of Star Wars Rebel Season 1 spoiled for us due to the nature of the internet, um, some of our episodes were delayed by as much as a month at times, and we got no release of Season 6 of The Clone Wars. Rebel Season 2, which has been out in the States, well, the, the first episode has in the States now for a couple of weeks, we're not going to get it until July the 18th, which is quite a lot later than the States. Come on, Disney, sort your act out. It was popular on the internet over the last few days in that we weren't going to get a Season 1 release on Blu-ray in the UK. We were only going to get the DVD release. But in the last hour, I've read online that we are actually going to get the Blu-ray release. So guys in the UK, we can relax because we are going to get Season 1 Blu-ray, which is what we want. Rebel Base, one minute and closing. Finally, for this month's news, Epic Finds in the Wild. Richard. Hello there. I am joined today by Ross Barr, who you may know from Rebel Scum and Star Wars Forum UK, and from many of the Facebook groups, including the focus groups on early Star Wars 1221 backs, the Empire Strikes Back group, and the Return of the Jedi group. Welcome, Ross Barr, and thank you for joining me. Richard, thank you for having me, bud. Appreciate it. I've asked you to come on because we have seen some crazy finds posted on Facebook and Rebel Scum recently, and you were in one of the exciting positions of picking one up. What can you tell us about the collection that you picked up without revealing any of your sources amazing man I, it's something that i've been working on for a pretty long time a guy that i connected with at least a year or so back had one piece in particular that i'll get to in a second that i was really focused on and i was trying to get for a while as i said and kind of went back and forth over the course of a year or so and finally i got him to agree to not just trade for it but to actually give it up it is probably the centerpiece of everything i got it's a long fet header one of the display headers you know some of the more common ones that folks see. The 21 bell doesn't have the Boba Fett off. actually includes Boba Fett as one of the 21 figures on the actual bell. This is a long display header. actually measures 36 inches long. It's almost three feet. Well, three feet. Very, very, very rare. A bunch of them came up several years back in a Las Vegas auction. It wasn't thought that it actually existed before uh, that auction. So I, I believe the Star Wars Collector's Archive says that there's less than 10 of them around. So that was really the centerpiece of the, the, this collection that I picked up. But there was a ton of other stuff, other displays. I picked up three of the 21 bells, which more one of the more common displays that are out there, but a very sought-after piece. 12 bell fe- features the, the original 12 figures on a on a bell similar to the 21 bell. And just a ton of paperwork, retailer paperwork, disclosing some of Kenner's advertising plan back in 1978. Various order forms, letters that went from Kenner to retailers telling them which figures were coming out and what they should be priced at. A lot of the Toy Fair catalogs, some of which from 1977 and 78, the the Kenner supplements, which are pretty sought after and, and difficult to acquire. And a couple other odds and ends, like a mint sealed box, the seven position laser rifle, the the Luke Skywalker one from the original Star Wars A New Hope line. All this stuff is really bad. It was kind of like, hmm, spent all this money and I have nothing in my car. (laughs) (laughs) So if the guys from the SWCA are going to be kept busy for the next 12 months and cataloging and documenting any of this? Pretty much everything that was there is already on the on the archive. You know, certainly the long fat header, which as I said before, was kind of the, the crown jewel of what I acquired. But some of the paperwork, I'm not sure. That's that's one of the things I'll have to kind of go through and see what they have on the on the site. You know, a lot of it is stuff that went to retailers. Couple internal counter uh, items as well. I I have to admit, it's not something that I've collected before, so I haven't spent a lot of time on the archive figuring out 
um, if they had that cataloged and stuff. But hey, hey, man, I would love to have a an entry of something from my collection on the archive. So if they don't have it, I'll I'll be sure to let those boys know. It's interesting that the Palatoy archive was discovered recently and was sold at Vectis. Uh, that had a lot of similar kind of things. It had wage slips from the guys who worked at Palatoy, and, and there was salesmen's paperwork and addresses of where he was going to go, and some interesting notes. One of the funniest comments was a handwritten note on a piece of work that said, "Convince the toy stores to sell more stormtroopers because they're going to be very popular as army builders." And I thought that was brilliant. Way back in 1977, 78, somebody had the thought that that army builders was going to happen. That's pretty funny. I actually think if you look at the availability of, of carded figures that still exist and the amount of stormtroopers out there, I actually think it's one of the most common carded figures and the most common loose figure you can find. This collection that you've acquired, has it come from a collector or has all of this come from one place? Because I'm intrigued about bell displays. Yep. So what I'm thinking about is, would shops have only, have only had one of these? Or would shops perhaps have had three or four of these bell displays, in which case one guy may have collected all four in one go? I don't know for sure. Without divulging kind of the, the type of, of source that it came from, the, the guy that I got him from got it from multiple places. So it was it was collected over time. Interestingly, the two of the bells that I acquired, the 21 bells, came with the shipping sleeve. Those are relatively rare to find. It also came with two actually shipping cartons, like the actual cardboard boxes that the Kenner would send display headers to retailers. But the 21 bells in particular came with the shipping sleeve. It's also a piece of cardboard, but very, very thin and didn't have any writing on it. So the thought certainly, at least from my mind, would be that the bells, came in the shipping sleeves and the shipping sleeves multiple of them were then in the actual carton so I would think that multiple bells were sent to the same retailer yep that makes sense did you know what you were going to see or if you didn't describe the moment when you arrived at this guy's house and opened the door I, actually I, I as I do all of my shady underhanded dealings this was uh, a deal out of a car in a parking lot. Hell yeah. So it, was, it wasn't at the gentleman's house, but he's, like I said, he's someone that I corresponded with well over a year to try to get to this point. So we, he had sent me pictures of everything in advance and we had agreed on a price and I'll tell you a quick story. We, we agreed on cash. There was a lot of cash, a decent amount of cash. I, I didn't even bring up the idea of a, of a cashier's check. I'm not sure if you, you folks have that. We agreed on cash and I went to the bank the, the morning before and asked them for you know x thousands of dollars which which i took out and they kind of looked at me and they said can we convince you to take a check instead of walking that with that much cash on you i was nervous to to bring that amount of cash to go meet someone but it was someone that i knew so it was okay so you know, i met him at the parking lot of a toys r us not too far from where my my parents live who i was staying with that weekend and showed up and the guy was a peach of a guy the nicest guy we sat and and spoke with one another for about an hour and a half just about star wars and collecting and the stuff that he has and other stuff that he he still has and may want to get rid of down the road recently there's been a lot of talk about some of the long-term collectors losing their interest and passion for a variety of different reasons do you think this guy fell into that category or is he just looking to move things on yeah i think i think it's a combination of a few things he's He's been doing this a very, very long time. You know, I kind of approached my my collection this way as well. It was probably things that he didn't really care about as much anymore and didn't really look at or were shoved in a box. And there was someone that showed genuine interest in it and figured, hey, I can 
capitalize on stuff that I acquired many, many, many years ago for a fraction of what I'm selling it for today. The market is right. This guy's shown interest. It's a cash deal where I don't have to deal with putting it up on eBay or local Craigslist or anything like that and dealing with people that aren't known. I can have some guy show up, meet me in a parking lot, give me a bunch of cash and get rid of it all in one swoop and be on my way. That's kind of, there's a few collections I've acquired in my time collecting like that, which has really helped me build my collection. You've given a great example there of how the community and how your efforts into research and interests really paid off. Um, and it's probably a tip for a lot of guys out there who perhaps um, have the cash available, but it's more about showing an interest, showing how it fits in with your collection and got a much better chance of prizing some of these out of these guys' collections by doing that. The thing, it certainly took having the money available to use. I mean, it was stuff I had to strain a little bit from and, and tap into some savings. Um, but I've replenished a lot of it uh, since then. So you got to be able to, to do that. But, it, you know, networking and showing interest and being willing to take on a little bit more than what you're probably comfortable with, knowing that I had friends that I knew needed stuff out of the, the lot. So I didn't even need to advertise stuff. I just told a few friends about what I was acquiring and knowing that they were there willing to spend some money on some of the stuff I was getting helped me have the confidence to do what I needed to do to, to go and get it and know that I could have a place to help recoup some of my costs. Going back onto the guys who perhaps are losing their interest or, or passion in the hobby, what would you, what advice would you give to those people who have perhaps been affected by prices and are a little bit concerned about how it's going? I mean, it's tough. I, I think, you know, anyone that's just buying on eBay or the Facebook Facebook groups. I'd say that there's still a lot of other places you can find stuff. Locally, dig around. There's a lot of deals there. I think eBay stuff and the quick Facebook group deals, it's I don't have to call it lazy, but those are just easy places to find stuff. But there's a lot of other places you can do it. So there's tons of deals out there. This was a this deal that I found was a heck of a deal. Even beyond that, there's just a million ways to collect in the hobby. There's a million things you can do. It's not always about acquiring stuff. And if it is about acquiring stuff, there's a million things that you can collect that aren't expensive. You can collect loose figures, paperwork, you can collect pamphlets, you can collect card backs. There's a ton of other stuff I'm probably not even mentioning that you can collect. It's within almost everyone's financial means. But, you know, beyond that, it doesn't need to be about acquiring stuff. You can learn about the history of the pieces that you have. So many articles that have been written in places that you can read Rebel Scum and Star Wars Forum UK and the Star Wars Collector's Archive. You can go on there and learn about the hobby and learn about different pieces. Or you can contribute to it. You can write an article um, that someone, I'm, I'm sure any of those places that I mentioned would be happy to, to publish an article that someone writes about something that's interesting. Or you could do like Richard Hutchinson does and have a podcast that's amazing and reaches a lot of people. So, you know, I guess the point is prices going up is it's happened i don't think it's going to stop there's a lot of people that are disappointed and frustrated by it but frank i see it as something that's a great thing that it shows that there's a ton of people that are interested in the hobby and way more people coming in and it's it's a great time to be in the hobby and i just think there's a, a ton of different ways you can participate in it that don't necessarily mean buying an afa 8512 back vader for ten thousand dollars or whatever the hell they're going for these days I've got a couple of things uh, from that. One of them was a guy contacted me a while ago and said that uh, proof cards are just out of his budget. He's, he's never, ever going to own one. And that's absolutely fine. So instead of getting frustrated about that, go and buy Matthias's book, which is the next best thing. I think, I think that's exactly right. There's lots of things to learn. I, I think sometimes people are so obsessed 
with finishing a run or doing a run or owning every proof card or owning every prototype. You know, if you want to own a proof card, save up money over the course of, of time. Almost everyone, you know, there's proof cards out there that you can still get for five, well, maybe not $500, but six, seven, eight hundred US. Most people can save even if it takes several months to do it and get yourself one proof card. You don't have to have every proof card that exists on the market, but if you want a proof card, you can do it. Or if you have something in your collection that you don't like, sell it off and and, and raise the funds to get that. Another issue that you, you touched on before was the Facebook groups. I put a, a limelight of a couple of items that I had on your Facebook group, and within about an hour, and then these guys know exactly who they are, I was uh, bombarded with some absolutely fantastic deals that I just couldn't turn down. And, and I wouldn't have seen those browsing eBay. It was much more, hi, guys, these are the kind of things I'm interested in. And just by networking and talking to people, you can get their prices agreed fairly easily. Yeah, I think that's a that's a a really great point, Richard. I've not been very shy about my Han Solo focus collection. I I post stuff relatively often. It's not it's not because I like to show stuff off or let everyone see what I have. It's because you know, just like everyone else, when someone gets stuff, there's I find it interesting when people post stuff. It's things sometimes things I haven't seen before. In the same way that all the guys that put together the Star Wars Collectors Archive several many many years back put stuff on their site that they acquired. It was because they wanted to share stuff and. And people that never would have seen some of these rare items, it comes from that purpose, A, and it also comes from letting people know that that's my focus. I can't tell you how many times in a week someone sends me a link to some eBay auction that has some Han Solo thing that I've never seen before that I probably would have missed the auction and I end up acquiring the thing. So you're absolutely right, man. Networking is what it's all about. I always had the impression that Han Solo was your collecting focus, but it's quite clear that you've branched out into different areas. How would you describe your collecting focus and what is your ultimate goal? In the time I've collected, it's kind of taken some twists and turns. I think I've finally fine-tuned it, but you know, the first thing that I did is I, I acquired all 96 figures on their on their debut movie front, yep. which is you know I don't, I'm not, I don't get as concerned about the backs. I don't need all debut 12A for the 12 backs or anything like that. So I've each of those, and at some point I didn't really connect with the the power of the force carded figures, even though I had them. Some of them were quite expensive, uh, and the, the bubbles frankly scare the crap out of me too. That they're all yellowed and brittle, and you, know, you could have a figure that was worth a few thousand bucks that could break through. So all that considered, I, I ended up getting rid of those and raised a decent amount of cash to kind of further some of my other focuses, which Han Solo original. I have a very, 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 very long-term goal of someday having him on every front and back combination that he appeared on in the U.S., and as many of the foreign foreign to the U.S., so anything non-U.S. Kenner, uh, cardbacks as well. I have a Han Solo little pre-production focus that is not just Han Solo original, but any of the Han Solo variations on Hoth, Bespin, Trenchcoat, etc. I also like to collect the vehicles and playsets. Originally had you know a little smattering of Empire, Return of the Jedi, and Star Wars: A New Hope. Figured all that stuff took up a lot of room, so I ended up getting rid of all my Empire, Return of the Jedi, and Power of the Force vehicles and playsets, and now just have a little focus on the Star Wars and New Hope ones. I still have many, many left to get, but um, that's on its way. Consistent with the Star Wars: A New Hope is a New Hope focus for the vehicles and playsets. I'm now 
which got quite a shot shot in the arm with this recent discovery. I, I have a shop display focus, just Star Wars and New Hope. No Empire, no Jedi. Good luck on that one. There's going to be some tough items to track down there. Yeah, there sure are. I mean, luckily, luckily the that long pet header is is one of the most difficult ones out there. You know, I don't know that any of that stuff will ever be complete, and that's okay. You know, my my time collecting and networking with other people. I know the people, there's people that have collected for 20 years that haven't finished a run. Um, and some of these runs, I don't know that I'll ever finish, and that's okay. I'm not someone that has to hurry up, throw a ton of money, some of which I wouldn't have anyway, to try to get stuff all done in a year or two, whatever. Uh, that's the fun of it, is is having something to collect for a very, very, very long time. And frankly, if I never finish some of these runs, that's okay. I, yep. I enjoy the process. and yep. It's all fun, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant point. I'd, I'd much rather spend 20 years trying to find an item by chatting to people and networking than winning the lottery overnight and, and buying everything in one go. Yeah, what's the fun in that? To wrap this up, in Anaheim um, early on this year, you met Jason Smith. And the yep. question that our listeners are desperate to know the answer to is who has the best hair, you or Jason Smith? Best hair? Yep. Ooh, that's a tough one. I get a little more than he does, but his... I got to tell you, meeting Jason Smith, he is a handsome, handsome man. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep my hands off him the whole time. So I think you got to look at him as the entire package. That guy just oozes sexuality. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get many who are going to disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for giving us your time, Ross. It's been a brilliant interview, and thank you for everything you do for the hobby, sharing your knowledge and promoting Star Wars. I would say the same right back to you, Richard. It's really a treat to come on. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. forward choices to make dreams to realize don't look back before you go know the truth learn to let go don't look back before you go, before you leave me. Where am I? On TV. She's nice. Who is she? Uh, your girlfriend. Does she love me? Oh. 
worships you. What you playing with? R5D4? That's my favourite. It's my last one. Oh. But you can have it anyway. <laughs> Do you love anyone enough to give them an R5D4? A great sturdy body with a clicking, rotating top. Quick, draw a bunch of flowers. Have you got any R5D4s that Rich may be interested in? Or perhaps look X-Wing pilots for Jez? Or TIE Fighter pilots for Grant? Perhaps some Slave Leas for Pete? Or some Greedos for Stu? If so, please send them a message on Facebook or email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. The dark side. Here is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I'm not afraid. 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 You will be. You. Now, I want to welcome someone who has a vast Star Wars collection, a long-term collector, whom, to anyone who knows him, will know that he is OCD when it comes to the condition of his collectibles. Joining me this evening is Lee Pizzy. Good evening, Lee. Hi, Stu. How are you doing? Not too bad, mate. Um, joining us tonight for this interview is, of course, the podcast Welshman, Grant Griddle. Hey, Lee. Hi, mate. How you doing? I'm good, man. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah. Great. Cool, man. Thank you. Now, Lee, over the past 24 hours, you've sent me numerous photos of items from your collection, and the first thing that stands out is the condition. They are immaculate. Condition is clearly key to you. What are your minimum requirements when buying mocks or box vehicles? Basically, it, must have, it mustn't really have any spider creases, no real wear, corner wear, and for box items I'm played with, you know, so it's just like you get that feel, factory, fresh factory feel. Is that with the, that with the mocks? I mean, I don't mind yellow bubbles because obviously that's common with uh, Return of Jedi and Powder Force figures uh, to date. So no creasing. I don't mind unpunched or punched. Your Wampa box is absolutely immaculate, isn't it? When you sent yeah, that picture, a, that is um, it's a real gem. It's incredible condition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to hedge my bets here and take a guess at what the favourite item is in your collection. Now, can I confirm, obviously, with the listeners, that you haven't told me prior to this conversation what your favourite item is? No. Right then, Lee. Yeah. Is your favourite item your laser-etched crystal Emperor Palpatine <laughs> paper? Totally, yep. <laughs> do, you dis- do you display it in a really nice place? Yep, it's... Uh, you don't know where it right is, next do you? To, Right next to me uh, side cabinet in the bedroom. Is it? A- did you get it AFA graded after? Oh, I should have done. You know, it would have been <laughs> perfect. <laughs> was it in good enough condition for your collection? Yeah, actually it was. Yeah, the outside box was a little bit creased, <laughs> but inside was absolutely mint, so... Where the hell did we get a paperweight from? I can't remember. <laughs> so, so what actually is your favourite piece in your collection? Well, my 31 back, clear best been proof. 
Wow. Hang on, Lee, the 31 back, is that the, the sideways um, debut yeah. card one? Oh, wow. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the highlight of my collection as well. Such a beautiful... I mean, I love that picture. I really yeah. do. I mean, always had a fascination near Best Bean. I mean, that, to me, it's the best-looking card in the entire, yeah. the entire collection. Jez actually talks about it on this podcast. He goes crazy about it for a while. I think he uses the word sultry. Every boy's sort of dream past, even some... I would say present, and this again for Padley. <laughs> ah, well, Lee, why do you think that with the Pally Toy Tri Logo figures that they went back to that picture after changing it? It's the best looking picture. It's more attractive. I just, you know, that's just it for me. Yeah, fair dues. Yeah, we said that she looks a lot less happy in the, in the other one, like you've done something. Yeah, more. <laughs> she does look a bit grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Let's go back to the beginning of your collection and your love of Star Wars. A fan since 1986 and a collector since 1988, correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So can you tell us about your earliest memories of both the movies and the toys? Well, see, I was too young to see in the movies, but for me, I started out watching, I watched the, I watched them on Betamax, followed my older brother, he had so, so many of the figures and vehicles, play sets, and I inherited that from him. Watched the uh, droids and Ewoks cartoons on television. Also, uh, Ewoks Battle for Endor, Caravan of Courage. I enjoyed those. I mean, it's all on video at that time, so I used to enjoy watching that. And with the toys, I mean, used to watch my brother obviously get the figures when I was little. I mean, I've got very good memory when it goes right back to when I was, obviously when I was little. I can uh, remember seeing my brother getting them off the pegs in Woolworths. He had the uh, Trilogos 159. Wow. That's where I got a bit of my nostalgia from when I started my collection. And did you see many of the last 17? Were they available? Uh, yeah, I said on the Trilogo. I can't remember on Kenner cards, but on Trilogo. A few of your early collecting stories that you've been telling me offline have reminded me of many similar stories from my youth. And the one that really, really hit home with me was the one about getting your schoolmates to bring you with their old toys into school. I did that as well. Everyone thought I was mental at the time. You know, I was 14, 15, and they were like, what's he want his old, old crappy toys for? I know you had the same sort of uh, same sort of issues, but you've got a bit more of a story with a specific item that you got given, didn't you? Obviously, I've got a lot of collections given to me and play sets, toys and everything. And um, one particular occasion, one of my closest friends, he, uh, he said to me, I think I've got an action figure for you, a Star Wars figure. And I went, all right, I'll have to check it out. So I went around his house on the uh, same night at school. And that said NFL markings. So I thought it was a Star Wars figure. But back then, obviously, there wasn't any real guides available. Everything was in black and white. I mean, I, my knowledge wasn't that great at the time. I took it to one of my friends who was an older collector, obviously collected the toys way back when they obviously were coming out, and he, uh, yeah, he told me it was a yak face, so I just really couldn't believe it. I mean, <laughs> uh, of all the figures I could have got, and, uh, and it would turn out to be a yak face. You still have that yak face? I do, yeah. So, I mean, would, you, would you have considered the yak face rare back in those days? Yeah, very. Yeah, I heard the yak face, obviously, at that time was uh, very scarce. You couldn't find them anywhere. Um, now, on the, you've got the internet now, so it's bringing everyone's collections together, and you can, you know, turn up everywhere, really, so but, but it's still rare enough. It does seem that Yakface still has that legacy of being a rare figure, which I agree with you was back in the day, but now, you know, to type it into eBay, it's, there's always plenty of Yakfaces out there. Yakface is the holy grail of Star Wars collecting. It was never released in the United States of America, only in France and Canada. I got my yak face from a guy named Desmond, a Nigerian man on a cobblestone street in Italy. He thought it was a G.I. Joe. This year alone I've had seven different offers, but I would never sell it. So, if you think you're going to get your hands on Star Wars yak face, 
Good look. What I remember in the 90s was if the card was unpunched, that was a big deal. Yeah, I remember that. People um, these days don't seem to care. And I was like, no, back then it was like, if it was something that you would you would actively hunt. One of the first figures I, I actually picked up, uh, that was from Jason Joyner's shop, Offworld. And I actually seen him pull it from Ken Case at the time, and that was in the early 90s. It was an ACAC commander. And I've still got that one. Absolute dead mint. I mean, the bubble's gone yellow, but everything else is immaculate. Yeah, he pulled it from the case, and you know, as, as, a, as a teenager, you sort of, wow, you know, you've never seen that. You always find stuff on the pegs, but you've never seen it. It's the first time I witnessed it being pulled from the case. Yeah, ah, oh, some of those, like, early joiner conventions, I remember they would be opening boxes, and there was just rows and rows of carded figures. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely mint. And they'd be like, you know, like, 20 quid for this one, 25 for this one, 30 for this one. And back then, I was like, Oh my! I'm, there's no way I'm spending fifty quid on a on a freaking carded figure. That's yes. And now I'm thinking like, why didn't I just buy them all? I should have just got a credit card, like ten grand <laughs> with a credit card, and bought the freaking lot. I mean, they were practically giving them away. Obviously, seeing like Empire Boba Fett, I can't remember what back it they were at the time, but forty five quid. Oh, that's insane, isn't it? Like you're saying, I should have picked up the mocks, but as a teenager, I just wanted to go home with more for my money. I think that was the big deal back at the time, was that, like you say, in the wild, finding a carded figure was difficult. You know, I, I only had one carded figure that I found, <laughs> which was a hand solo trench coat, and then going to these Jason Joyner conventions, where there was actually this, like, there wasn't just one carded figure, there was tables full of them. Yeah, oh, they were the days. Ah oh, man, you know, and that, that back then I thought that was insane. I remember, and there was sealed Hoff Wampers and sealed yeah. speeder bikes and uh, 12-inch dolls in boxes. It was incredible just to see it. I remember back in the time looking at the Pally Toy cards and being like, I want Kenner. I want, like, Kenner yeah. American ones. I certainly don't want Trilogo. I want the single Return of the Jedi with the Kenner, an American figure like. And looking back now, those were such poor decisions. I did the same. Even now, though, I do like I do love the Kenner. I love the Kenner logo. I love the Kenner brand. But I mean, I picked up me um, Tie Fighter pilot try logo. I think that was thirty eight, thirty eight pound, and all. It's just got. I mean, it's a nice card, unpunched. I was just got a slight ding into it. You know, try logo was the poor man's collectible. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, look at the state of the bubbles. It's got dents in there. I'm not having dents in my bubbles. And oh man, yeah. now I I don't even mind if it's been sat on. Currently looking for a nice Lear Bespin try logo. Things like that, I just wish I picked up them when they were cheaper. That would help me out so much, obviously, today. Just out of interest, do you still go to the Jason Joyner events now? Yeah, uh, Collector Mania in Milton Keynes, MK Don Stadium, and done a film on Comic Con. It was cool. Yeah, I've gone this weekend. weekend, but. Yeah. Is it, you got um, Michael J. Fox there, haven't you? I think everyone's yeah. going crazy for him. Right, yeah. You've got quite a few others as well, haven't you? So. Leah Thompson, she was one of my passions as a oh. as a youngster, especially when she got it on with Howard the Duck. Always, always did something to me. That's oh, I love Howard the Duck. I do, I really do. That's such a great movie that was. So she she <laughs> de- she defined my sexual orientation that that. Yeah. So I was like, holy <laughs> smokes, like. It's my ultimate threesome, her and Howard. <laughs> <laughs> How do you used to get to the old fairs? Um, well, I used to travel with me, my dad, really. Yeah, I used to tra- travel there with me and my younger brother sometimes. I mean, I got him into collecting Ewoks and got him an Ewok village for his birthday. The Ewoks with a log raised and T-bows and whatever at the time. Yeah, I used to go to my dad and, because uh, he collected, well, he still collects today trading cards and everything like that. So he used to go and collect all that and, you know, autographs as well. And then I used to go and go mad for all my uh, vintage Star Wars toys and even modern when the Powder Force 2 line came out. I think we all did that at some point around that time, didn't we? 
go and buy a big beefed up Luke. <laughs> On steroids, yeah. I've got so many of them. Have you still got them now, have you made? Yeah, I mean, I, I sell, sell Star Wars toys and collectibles as well as buying. I mean, I used to have a store at Romford Market uh, back in 2002. Um, suppliers, I've still got a couple now, but mainly one of them, Porgus Toys, which they're now disbanded. But uh, I get cases and cases of figures, even old Powder, um, Powder Force 2 uh, freeze frame figures like Pope Snickins and Carl Kat- uh, Expanded Universe Carl Katarns. So you get 16 in a case, things like that. And wow. I've still got loads now, and I, I just, um, I, I mean, I've got got my collection, but I've also got a, a vast amount of stock as well, which I, I, I take to conventions when I can get to them. Next weekend, the uh, 25th Essex uh, Sci-Fi Charity Convention. I'm going to be there with my store and uh, selling my wares. <laughs> you know the um, Nick Joseph? Yeah, I mean... Is that, doesn't he? Yeah, is, he, is he the same Nick Joseph that was actually in the film? Yeah, the middle beer, yeah. On a guard at the end of A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw his name come up when I was... Uh, the message you sent me, and I was like, oh, I knew he was a thing. Does, yeah. he, does he sit there and have a sign autographs? Yeah, he signs himself at the event, so anyone who comes along can um, obviously pick one up from him as well. That's always a bonus. He's such a lovely guy. What, um, who have they got signing there this year from Star Wars? I believe you've got Paul Bannon. He was a stormtrooper. Um, I think it was a New Hope or Return of Jedi. I think you had uh, Femi Taylor, Ula. Yeah. I think she's going to be there as well. I came along last year. There was a, a lot of Star Wars signers last year yeah it was mainly uh, aimed obviously for Star Wars at the time now uh, this year it's, gonna, it's diverse I mean he's got a few more signs for other other, um, other, other uh, television and TV series so uh, I'm going to take a lot more with me than just Star Wars I think <laughs> the year is 1978 and Palatoy bring you Star Wars here on Death Star Ben Kenobi combats the awesome power of Darth Vader while Han and Tia battle for their lives in the trash compactor. Luke evades the stormtroopers with R2, D2, and C3PO. But can he escape in the X-Wing fighter? Only you will know. Only you can create your own Star Wars. Death Star, vehicles, figures, all sold separately. May the Force be with you. Your lay of Bespin focus. I know we, we spoke about earlier the um, your 31 back proof, but it's not the only proof you've got of Leia Bespin, is it? No, I've got um, 32 back, 45, and I'm um, currently looking at a 48 for uh, my mate Mark Walsh. I've actually got that from him, so after it gets viewed at FF, because obviously he plans to show everyone what a full uh, revenge group fun looks yeah. like, after that, obviously I will have it. And then that's uh, four there for the moment, and then, uh, you know, plan to push that up. I want to get the uh, tri-logo Leia Bespin that I was mentioning earlier. Goes for quite good money now, doesn't it? It's one of the... Yeah, that's it. It's such a lovely... sought after and harder ones to get, isn't it? It's got that lovely photo again. Yeah. yeah. It's one that I really, uh, I really want to get my hands on, especially changing away from the uh, Kenner cards. Uh, does, it, does it matter to you, mate, if a Pally Toy or Kenner? For Leia Bespin, no, it doesn't at all, really. I, I, I don't mind Kenner or uh, Pally Toy. I would say for anything else, like the rest of the figures, it has to be Kenner. It has to be. Because, I mean, that's, that's where my true my true interest lies. You don't go down the um, the old foreign route, then? Uh, not in a minute, but I'm looking into it. It's nice, I like, you know, it's like Top Toys and um, Meccano. I'm looking I'm looking into that. I mean, I would like to, but at the moment, I'm trying to complete me, uh, every Star Wars character on Empire Cards, was obviously Empire Characters Empire Cards. How far away are you from doing that? I've got another ten to get. Which one do you reckon is going to be the trickiest? Well, walking uh, Luke Bespin. <laughs> yeah, a friend of the show... Um... Dan Burgess, who goes to Senate Django on Star Wars Forum UK, he's done the same thing. He's just done a completed an Empire run. 
And you also plan to start a, a harm best bin focus as well, don't you? Yep, to go with Malia. You know, you've got that famous scene on the Millennium Falcon. And yeah. uh, I love you, I know, at the end of uh, Empire. I mean, they've got to be together and everything. <laughs> and side by side, a Leah Bespin uh, focus run and a Han Bespin focus run just look so brilliant together. They really yeah. work. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Are you going to um, take the proof card from Mark's collection of that as well? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not sure about the Revenge at the moment. I, I, I'm not sure if he's actually sold it, but he has got a 45 back arena, and Bespin's actually got his holding back for me. Can't wait to get my hands on that when I eventually come up with the money. Is the uh, Han Bespin your favourite Han figure? Yeah, it is, yeah. Actually, absolutely. <laughs> What's your favourite Han figure, Grant? I mean, mine keeps changing all the time. I think the Han Trench is completely underrated because it's like a common figure. You know, if it was a rare figure, people would go crazy for it because you can take that camouflage jacket off and you've got... It's almost like a Han original figure. Bang, right there. Yes, yeah, and it's a nice figure. What about you, Stu? I would... Uh, the, the original, because that's the one I played with when I was a kid. So, although Han Hoff we had as well, but his legs snapped in the first day. So he was good, always good for being injured. He's have a tom-tom eating it. <laughs> That's good fun. I say, is that the one you stole off your brother and broke and hid in a vase? It is. Snapped on Christmas Day, yep. In his next week. <laughs> <laughs> good memory. Yeah. You told me you collect all things Empire with regards to vintage things. Does this include things like the micro collection? Or are you not interested in that? I got into it briefly when I was younger. I used to go into Jason Joyner's shop and... He had so much stuff in there. Sometimes I used to get something and think, oh, I'll have a look at that. And I got the um, Death Star Escape Malloway, photocopied instructions at the time, but I, I had it for a while and I thought, you know, it's just not the same. I, I mean, I'm thinking differently now, you know, to get like Bespin World, obviously Bespin again, my Bespin interest. I think I'm going to focus on the uh, three and three quarter inch to start off with. <laughs> I've also got down, you told me that you collect other items. I think this this is the list you sent me. Trading cards? Yep. Series 1, 2 and 3 are the uh, tops. Empire Strikes Back. Do these items have to be in mint collection yep. as well, yeah? They do. <laughs> so, is it just the... Uh, is that the American tops Empire Strikes Back cards, yeah? Yeah, American, yeah. Have you got the display boxes as well? Is that something you'd be interested in? I would do, yeah. I mean, I haven't got around to anything like that. At the moment, I've just got the base sets without rounded corners. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely crisp. You know, I mean, there's so many on eBay at the moment that have turned up. I mean, because they've still got the boxes. People are just taking the sets out fresh and making the sets up. You know, the cards out fresh making the sets up. Right. So I would like to get display boxes and things like that because that's going to be a nice little sideline to me, uh, Best Bin Strike, Empire Strikes Back focus. And, you know, it'd be nice to have that on the side. Yeah, Empire has some really weird one-off kind of stuff as well, especially in the trading cards. There's lots of different sort of trading cards out there as well, which, you know, like has only had for Empire Strikes Back which would be interesting to investigate there's, I think there's one from maybe Australia called York uh, there's like about oh, right. six of them and they're, they're like a disc and I used to see them pop up all the time I haven't seen them for years because you collect all the Empire stuff is there any kind of stuff out there like you, you know what we would call the oddball stuff that really sticks out to you that you know that you're looking out, looking out for well, for me, shop displays, the uh, headers, point of sales, the amount of money they command. But I would like to get my hands on that to go with my collection because that's just such a nice backdrop for them, you know? Yeah. And that's the next thing I really want to get. And shelf talkers as well. I mean, I'm, I've seen a few and I think there's a couple on uh, eBay at the moment. But when I get around to it, I think I'm trying to get my uh, mocks completed and injecting as much money as I can put into my uh, pre-production. Uh, do you know what I've got, which is really, from Empire Strikes Back, which is really strange, I picked it up recently. Have you ever heard of the latch hook? Kits. <laughs> I've heard of them, but I haven't really done any research, no. 
Like these, these are insane. They're like large boxes, and it's the same kind of photo layout and artwork as the carded figures. But it's like some kind of crochet knitting kit with like wool <laughs> and what looks like you know like uh, pipe cleaners and stuff like that. They're massive, beautiful. A bit stranger. I felt a bit odd buying them. I was like, what am I buying these for? I'm not, not quite <laughs> sure yet, but. But yeah, if you can find them, they're super difficult to come across. But I don't think anyone else would be interested in them. But for an Empire fan, I think they they would be awesome. I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, please, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, man. I've also got down on your list here. Now, this must be difficult to find, Mint. Cereal, crisp and sweet packets and drink cans. Yeah, them, the thing is, they're more modern than vintage. Right, you go after when they did the range. We like the Tazos in for the Christmas. Yeah, I got all them, and uh, basically from '97, obviously through the prequels. Pepsi cans. Yeah, Pepsi cans. We got like Cadbury's uh, chocolate bar wrappers. Mm. <laughs> we got like um, Kinnerton uh, 1997 Star Wars can, Advent can, well Christmas Advent can. Yep. Uh, unopened, so God knows what the chocolate's like. It's pretty worn or white and powdery by now. It wasn't that good in the first place. <laughs> Do you have all this? Um, all these items on display? No, afraid not i wish everything's in like really useful boxes because i'm getting for condition ocd i'm a bit like i don't like dust obviously so it's all in really useful boxes in my parents loft and they're not particularly happy because it's like half their loft completely filled up with vintage and modern stars toys collectibles movie props prop replicas yeah i've got so much stuff uh, just just going back to the um the events yeah i know you touched on it earlier and um the old Kenner convention in 96. I didn't go to conventions back then, you know, my parents wouldn't have taken me to that kind of thing, but <laughs> how do those conventions differ to a convention in this day and age? Because you've both been to quite a few. They're on a smaller scale. Everything seemed to be, everyone seemed to be um, more close-knit like the dealers all together it seemed more of like a, a family event the vast amount of back then obviously the vast amount of vintage on sale compared to today that you, you go to a convention now you're barely to get you're lucky to get one stall or a couple with some nictos clartos or a couple of odd, odd figures on you know mocks or whatever bucket of uh, loose figures in zip baggies or whatever weapons or no weapons but you know back then I, I, I love the uh, those conventions I mean you could go around it's, it's like a vintage dream every single stall vintage 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 I spent hours and hours. I was even there just trying to stay in there after the convention closed, try and wrangle the last deal. It's incredible, those days, and I just wish they'd come back. You know. Do you know what? You, you would probably enjoy Father's From. I keep meaning to go. I really do. Like Mark's offered for me to travel down with him. It's just like getting a time. Have you not been down to Father's From before? No, mate? not yet. No, oh, mate, it's just, it's just like the ones back in the 90s, mate. Honestly, it's just <laughs> wall-to-wall vintage stuff. You would be... Mate, you'd be in heaven, mate. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen pictures and stuff on Facebook, and obviously Mark's told me all about it. I, I see stuff all the time, been on the website, whatever. And no, I really do want to go, and I'll, I'll be trying to get to the next one if I can. I know I'll be at my element there. You would be, you would be, mate. Is it, it, it? There's a bit of everything there. There's like, you know, buckets of uh, loose figures, loose beta figures, all the way up to like items that are a couple thousand pound a piece. I was thinking like when people walk past, they think it's just a toy fair in there. <laughs> and they probably have no idea that there's probably fifty to a hundred thousand pounds worth of uh, Star Wars memorabilia stuffed in that little hall. Yeah. Are you going to be coming down to the next one? There's one coming up now on the second of August. Yeah, I'm hoping to. I'm going to try it. It's um, offensive if I get away from the missies. Yeah, I'd really love to. Obviously, meeting you guys as well. Yeah, it'd be cool, man. Yeah, I know you always, you're real laugh. I think if you make the effort to come down, you need to do the Saturday night as well because I think it's the weekend. It's not just the Sunday, is it, Grant? I think. 
those drinks and just sitting around, especially the summer one, we're sitting outside in the sun, having a few beers, uh, chatting Star Wars and whatnot. It is a really good night out. Yeah, it's my kind of thing. I mean, I love to do that. I mean, I'll be there for every single uh, second of it. There's nothing nothing greater than, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, you're drunk as hell sitting in the beer garden, <laughs> drink, swigging down a bottle of beer, t- talking about some in-depth academic study of Darth Vader's uh, lightsaber, the Spanish version of it or something. <laughs> I mean, that's the only time in the world that I would have that kind of opportunity is fantastic you're, you're a member of the forums but you don't tend to post much do you no they keep me in the post like the entire collection up <laughs> that's what i want to do i mean the aim is to take all the pictures of everything i've got and you've seen obviously the pictures i've sent you like yeah different angles with the boxes to get everything in this is the way i sell stuff basically to put everything up from all the action figures full uh loose collection I've got made up of uh, cut cards figures in baggies and best examples I could find loose really back from uh, the early 90s up to present you should get, you should get yourself on the forum people would love to see that those photos you've sent me and yeah. stories and whatnot because obviously you've been in the game a long time for me it's getting the time I've always said like to make Mark all the time you know about getting the time to do stuff <laughs> you know the problem is working in night shift is that you don't get too much time and you're obviously asleep or you yeah. know and then you get up you go to work it's quite hard and, and then when you are off you're recovering but the, no i definitely would love to uh, get on the post you've uh, mentioned mark quite a few times and uh, yeah walsh and uh, coincidentally he's on this month's astro oddball section with grant talking about his proof cards now you're the reason he got into collecting that's true how did that come about well well he's um he always used to collect like coins like franklin mint and uh any coins he could find even generally the, the uh commemorative ones used to get everywhere he said that i had a massive styles collection and he'd see like prices of things were going for and he was thinking about obviously trying to um trying to get into another collection other than his coins and his first obviously natural entry point was into uh power of force coins and he walks and droids coins so he started off with them and i think uh he found it quite difficult and he was you know the rate he was getting them so um realizing that obviously i had majority of the production side of things he, he thought he'd do something different obviously to make things interesting for me and him as mates obviously when we visit each other's asses so he went into pre-production and uh got quite a bit of obsession with it <laughs> to be honest. It's, but then being a star wars fan uh obviously i can appreciate that and it's very nice it's so nice to see mm. um all the production pre-production items cromlins and other things he's got he's got so much stuff <laughs> But we've already obviously touched on this as well. He's selling his proof cards. He's not leaving the hobby, is he? No, he's not leaving the hobby. He, he's selling the majority of it. Okay, just, just a couple of final questions then, just to wrap, wrap this up. You're a long-time collector. Yeah. You've seen the prices rise. And what advice would you give a, a collector coming in now? Well, the advice um, I would give a new collector would be take your time, research the market and what's out there. Uh, don't be in a rush to spend big to secure an item. Uh, like Obi-Wan says, when he falls rash in, you may get uh, a better deal further down the line than over than overpaid. It's so much more fun to hunt around. Right, Lee, what is your biggest collecting achievement? The thing you're, you know, your, your best deal or whatever, whichever way you want to take the question. Well, I guess that would be getting to, well, getting together my little best improved run. Yeah, um, not an easy feat, is it? Yeah, I mean, I know Mark's helped me, but obviously it took me time, obviously, I mean, he helped me out with, uh, Obviously, selling me the items at a very good price. Obviously, his way of uh, thanking me for getting him into uh, the hobby. But it still, obviously, cost me quite a bit. <laughs> let's, let's just say that. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, then, what's the regret? Something you've passed up, maybe? or? Uh, well, for me, as I mentioned already, I mean, uh, switching to a phase of collecting Powder Force 2 back in 95, obviously, rather than buying more vintage, because that did, I did get out of vintage, I got sidetracked from vintage, 
back then. I, I mean, it's crazy to think, like, you know, those action figures on steroids. I, I know that I could... There's, there's items that came up. Like, I think you was actually talking about um, a powerful skiff, and I think last podcast, items like that. I think that's 100 and... Uh, I think that's 175 at the time. This is back, yeah. back in 95. You know, items like that came up, and I, and I just... I just blew, blew my money on Power Force too. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a waste, really, you know, and now I'm selling it all off, so... Yeah, I try not to think about it, man. Yeah. I think I think every collector who collects vintage, all of us fell for that one. <laughs> Love you, Kenner, or Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, the question I ask everybody then, we're packing up, moving to another planet, and you're only allowed to take one piece from your collection. Money, no object. What are you taking? Well, I say me Empire Strikes Back 31 back Leah Bespin mock. Um, because even though um, the proofs are both rare and beautiful, you know, you can't beat having a finished product, both beautiful photo art and the action figure itself, you know. I just really, that does it for me. I mean, I love, I love both. I mean, the carded figure and uh, photo art all in one. Yeah, lovely. Well, Lee, it's been an absolute privilege to chat to you tonight, mate. We'll yeah, likewise. Time. Real pleasure. Yeah, and we'll um, no doubt have you on again, and hopefully we'll get you to one of those farthest froms so we can uh, definitely chat in person. Well, thank you so much again, Lee, and uh, we'll get thank you back you. in a bit for the uh, rapid fire. Okay, thanks. thanks. Cheers, Lee. So, over to Jezebel for this month's latest acquisitions. Hello, what happened here? Ah, good. New acquisition. Right, guys. Mental. Absolutely mental. This month... I don't know, I think it's just going too much. This is possibly the biggest LA or the latest acquisition section we've seen because I have just been added to so many different groups and I'm still massively looking at what's going on on SWF UK. It's just non-stop. So we'll start off, first of all, with a particular young lady, okay, on page 1699 of SWF UK forums, Kaz's got his Leah Bespin mock. She's beautiful. You look absolutely beautiful. You truly belong here with us among the clouds. Now this is the first run, and I must mention, it, she's just an utter babe. Grant, I know you've got this one, haven't you? Yeah, she's giving you the proper love eyes, mate. Absolutely phenomenal. Don't get excited. I think it's a 31 back, isn't it? It's the first release on the Empire. Yeah, it, it's the Empire debut. And do you know what, what's amazing as well, mate, is they changed the card design to you're late, you haven't rung. Yeah, totally. You didn't do the washing up like you said. She is, uh, it, it's a great card, it really is. I mean, the fact that she's got hair in these, like, stirrup things just adds to the whole thing. Um, so, Kaza, yeah, that, that's a great card. And I've seen a couple others pop up recently. Ian Sanderson put one up on the forum the other day, 
and everyone was after it. I, didn't, mate, I was just thinking how interesting it is that the Brits went back to that card on the Trilogo release. They might have flipped it around the other way, but it's the same card, so um, must be popular with the Brits. Yeah, definitely. There's just something about her. We'll move on. On page 1702. Now, this is a little bit different. Cheap State has got this awesome Vader costume made by a company called Atomus. Any of you guys seen this? Yeah, man. I used to have it when I was a kid. The exact same one, but with a force beam lightsaber, which is like the bootleg lightsaber. But yeah, I think they made quite a range of these, actually. You can get about 15, 20 different characters. He wanted this because it reminds him of his childhood and, and Halloweens and stuff. And he said that he remembers them sitting alongside the Kenner toys. And there were a few different characters. You have 3PO, Stormtrooper, Chewbacca. There's a Yoda currently on eBay at the moment, which mentions a Gamgard, Ewok, and a Luke. So, yeah, there were quite a few, but they must have been pretty stinking. They were um, one-piece PVC ponchos, essentially, weren't they? I recognised your foul stench when I was brought on board. Yeah, that's correct, mate. And they, they are pretty flimsy as well. I got the uh, the Gam Good Morning Guard one, and that is that is brittle, like you know. But you, you can pick them up quite cheaply, actually. Well, who knows these days? They're probably three times the amount of money that they used to be. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Yeah, well, Chip's Day, good on you, mate. You know, you've got something which is again taking you back to your childhood, which is definitely the reason why I'm in this business, and I love it. Page seventeen oh nine. Tri's company, Tri's company, Three's company, Palatoy walking Luke Bespin and a Kenner walking Luke Bespin. Now there's definitely something about walking Luke Bespin card, and again, very much like the Leah, they they changed it, they they changed the image. Same for the Horny Leah. Now what? Why did they do that? I believe it's because with it being on a debut card, when these profile pics are not actual shots, not quite placeholders as such, because obviously they got down the production line, but. Weren't they just some still images? The walking one looks like it's just been shot. It looks quite washed out, I have to say. You know, yeah. it's got the white Bespin background. You know, his uniform's just looking pretty washed out and grubby. I don't think I like it so much because I know it's the more desired one. I mean, I know why I like the Leah, <laughs> but I'm not sure about this Luke. I just think it looks cool. I think he just looks more like a warrior. I'm looking for a great warrior. Than the the other one, which has just got him with his sort of blaster pointing up a bit more at 90 degrees. I don't, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a dirty, grubby warrior look. Right, we jump along a little bit more. We've got page 1712, Lom. Now, Grant, I thought you might like this. He's got a model Trem TIE Fighter pilot. You know, we've spoken about bootlegs a little bit. Model Trem. What do you think of this, mate? Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. Man. I haven't really done or know much about model Trems, to be honest with you, but he's got a TIE Fighter pilot, so that's all good for me. Well, we said a couple of podcasts back about the weight of these things and the fact that the majority of them were made of, of ledger and there's a few who were made of, of resin. Now, you know from the last question on the last podcast, I like my grams, yeah? I like my, can you remember the cockpit? The, the Luke X-Wing cockpit? The regular one was five and a half and, and the fake one was four and a half? Well, your TIE fighter pilot, how many grams do you reckon that weigh? What's your typical TIE fighter pilot? Well, that's... 12? Close. I'll, I'll tell you close. <laughs> it's 20 grams, right? Your model Trem TIE Fighter pilot. A little bit taller, slightly slender. 112 grams. <laughs> so well over five times the weight. So these things, maybe that does explain why they ended up going from lead to down to resin. But there we go. Trem, page 1712. Long mate, really, really nice. 
Do you think back in the 80s you had Brazilian kids using model trend figures as fishing weights? <laughs> Maybe. I think we should start going to organise a, a trip to Brazil and start scouring some of these rivers, especially where there's dense populations of, ki- of children. Yeah, and anacondas and piranhas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lots of dead poisoned fish. Something just moved past my leg. Rich, have you seen how big Brazil is recently? <laughs> Isn't it the same size it was back in the 80s? <laughs> no, it got bigger. I like a Brazilian. Yeah, I was just thinking you're not meant to do a Brazilian to your head, pal. <laughs> right, OK. So, moving on. Still on page 1712. Max F, he's got his Leah Organa Minton cards and he's put up a Clipper Anna Meccano one. Now, Pete's Peely Weedy, I'm sure these flick your switch, yeah? Yeah, I might go in his house and nick him. But I think I think you missed a trick on that page, chap. You 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 missed Bruce White's amazing uh, <laughs> Mexican bootleg Princess Leia and the same thing. It's amazing or knockoff, should we say? The uh, the blow molded articulated pencil skirt Leia. It's a crazy thing, but uh, there are so many things online at the moment, and yeah, they're. You know, we, we've seen some of Brute's amazing stuff on the last podcast, and, and I looked at that and I just thought, yeah, you know, whenever you see like a nuclear test explosion video and there's always that doll which is, you know, slightly charred and survived, like, oh yeah, look what happened here. That's what I see when I see stuff like that. I think it's correct. It's just, just insane. But as the two Carded figures go, oh, they're those sort of Carded figures that I dream of owning, but when just, just going to be so much money that I won't even bother. Well, he, he bought the first one. He always fancied Meccano 12 back. And he bought it off this one European collector who then said, oh, yeah, I've got it on a clipper as well. So he, he got the second one off the same collector. Absolutely loves it. And not going to start a focus collection, but he's got those two. So you never know. He, if you could find something else similar, you know, another Meccano or a clipper, who knows? He, he could I be think a trade. I think I've got more chance of marrying him and then divorcing him and taking him with me than I have of buying him. No, I think you've got a better chance of buying them, actually, than marrying him. You don't know. Better make-up, you never know. Might fancy it. <laughs> OK, moving on. Right, on the next page, you guys must have seen this. The final Cape Jawa, which Poncho has put on. Poncho Belt has done this vinyl Cape Jawa clean-up job. Now, what's the going rate at the moment for a vinyl Cape Jawa? Rich? In perfect condition, without any tears, I think you're looking at spending around about the 500 to 600 mark now on vinyl Cape Jawa, which I think is steep. But with a slight tear under the arm, you're looking around about the 300 to 350 mark. Have you have you all seen this figure on page 1713? Certainly have. Really yeah. neat-looking vinyl Cape Jawa. I want to read out a little bit what he said, and then I'll come back to the price as well, because the price he bought this for, while still breaking the bank for a lot of people, is phenomenal. He said he always wanted a vinyl Kate Jawa. He's got a fairly complete loose collection, and he was quoted 300 to 600 as a ballpark, which was quite a while ago. And he just thought, no way. But he points out something to me, which you think, yeah, do you know what? You're absolutely right. He likes the thought of, not in a rude way, but the naked Jawa has got such a great sculpt for a Star Wars figure. If you think about the way it is, the cloth capes covers up so much of that and the sculpt of the bandolier and the legs. So he enjoyed the fact that he just had a, a regular Jawa. He then thought, you know what? I'm going to find a beta one. If I'm patient, 
I'm going to get myself a beta vinyl cage hour for between 150 and 200 quid. And he was patient and he looked and he waited and he waited. And then he was tipped off by an eBay, eBay Germany. And there was one for 175, including postage and packaging uh, to the UK. But this thing was absolutely covered in ink. Oh, what a mess. As you say, it was ripped and it was covered in all sorts of stuff. You will not be permanently damaged. And he's done it. It's a stunning picture. Jez? Yeah. Can I just... Um, yeah. We have another urgent apology that needs to be brought up. Richard's um, estimates on vinyl Cape Joe are loose, uh, way out at the moment. The uh, the last two that, that were of Vectis, the last auction... Uh, you, you can't come um, back to speak. There's one for sale on Facebook for $650. I'm, I'm uh, no, that's tough. The last two, a graded one and also a loose one, non-graded, uh, both went for £700. £700. Yeah. So uh, I'm afraid which is, is way out. Not at all. It's Not £500. Not at all. There's one, on face, there's one on Facebook right now for $650. You can't, you can't include a Vectors auction when you're talking about prices. And, and, and you've, just, you've just you pulled a graded one and another one out of fresh air, so I'm, I'm not having that. A graded one and two, two, two of them, seven hundred pound right. each. Okay. Rich, um, did you say six hundred and fifty dollars? Yep, there's one on Facebook right now for six hundred and fifty dollars. It went up about twelve hours ago, and I think that's a cracking price. <laughs> but someone actually paid seven hundred pounds, Rich. I will paid two hundred and seventy-five for mine, but that's not the price for one. Well, that's what someone paid for it, so that clearly yeah. is the price of one. No, it's not. So it's very, it's, it's overpriced. <laughs> it's not, that's not the price of Vinyl Cave Joe. It, it, it obviously is, and was paid for it. No, it's I'm quite clear, Rich. You can't, of course you have to take it. So what, that's what the last two have gone for. At Vectis, yes. A, 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 a lot of the things at Vectis go for more than what they're worth. You can't, well, if, if I sold a yak face on Vectis for 400 quid, that's not suddenly the price of a yak face, is it? Well, it is, because someone's paid for it. No. So obviously two collectors or several collectors are going for these things and that, they're pushing the prices up. So it's going up all the time, Rich. It's going up all the time. Jez, continue. It's good to see that we're back up to a six-hour podcast again, isn't it? Yeah. I was just going to say, Jez, actually, have you seen the photographs of how he cleaned the cave? He, he's explained everything to me about the cleanup. He said it was really intensive because he didn't really want to damage the cape any further and could. He knew that if he, if he went too far, he's lost nearly £200. So he's tried various products in tiny areas to test various different methods. He tried it in soapy water, tried nail varnish remover, WD-40, rubber and alcohol, benzoyl ointment, terps, the freezer for a few days, sunlight, heat, bicarbonate soda, boiling water, an electric iron, soft brushes, fine brushes, cotton buds, and some other chemicals which he can't remember the names of which removed the crystallization from the figure and cape, which was a side effect of one of the cleaning methods he used that scared the bejesus out of him. And he thought at one stage, I've really messed this up. So you can see that this guy tried loads and loads of different methods, and ultimately he got there in the end after six months. Wow. I think he's probably put... Have you mentioned how much he paid for this yet? £175. I think for his efforts, he's probably... He's close to doubling his price that he paid for. He said, after carefully folding the cape collars, subject to hot water to get the shape back, he managed to get the folds just right, so you can't notice the tear when it's displayed, and the tear has been supported with a tiny little bit of scotch tape. He's bought it, he's put it in a GW acrylic loose case, found a small block for it, and it stands perfectly 
I mean, £175, he has done a great job. Nice one, Poncho. Awesome. Brilliant. Awesome stuff. Moving on. Page 1715. Scruffy-looking Nerf Herder has got himself a dark blue. And this is the dark blue R2-D2 Minton card, which has been graded by AFA. And it's got the amazing grade of AFA 30. Rich, you were interested in this, weren't you? Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a dark blue R2 yet. Um but I I think the colour is so striking against the the silver dome of R2 and I think it's much better than the typical light blue that we see. Any ideas why these ones are dark blue? I don't know, mate, you're the loose No. Yeah. Um it's it's probably all down to the factory that they were made in. It was just a different um paint application because to the best of my knowledge, all of the dark blue ones are stamped with the Hong Kong CEO. And these can be found on, as you'd expect, the Star Wars 12-backs, E&B card-backs, in the early bird kits. But there's also some of these that have appeared on Empire Strikes back box as well, which is which is quite interesting. It's what you said right before, Grant, at the start, about who knows what was going on in people's yeah. hands putting these kits together. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Have you, have you got time for an interesting thing about scruffy-looking nerf herder? Okay, he's a new guy on the forum, on the Star Wars Forum UK, yeah? I found out from Dave Tree that me and him had actually crossed paths back in 2001 where he used to have a website called Ultimart, which used to sell Star Wars figures on it. And I won a competition on that website for a Power of the Jedi Scout Walker and speeder bike. And recently he's got back into Star Wars again, so it was like a mad reconnection after 14 years, which I thought was pretty cool. Look forward to meeting him at Father's Prom. I have a promise to keep old friend so this the dark blue thing i think i think this has opened up a whole world of the dark blue dome r2 it certainly does appeal to me he had no idea though it was only when you pointed out on the forum that hey you got a dark blue one you know that's much more sought after and he was dead chuffed with this but i think he got this at a, at a good price let's look at it he's got himself a 12 pack r2d2 dark blue graded for 167 pounds I would take it out of the uh, graded case and put it in an acrylic case. Just get rid of that 30 nonsense. Yeah, I agree. He's chuffed a bit of it, and who can blame him? I think it's great. You're, you're right, you've got a fair point about the AFA 30. Could you risk actually damaging it further? I don't know if the bubble's that damaged. Would you want to wreck it? He's done a really good job. Good buys are available. You know, Hold out for the right one at the right time, and you never know. You might get lucky once in a while. This is what's happened with the Vinyl Cape Jower. This is what's happened with his 12-back dark blue. There are bargains out there, guys, so don't give up. Well, that's it from Star Wars Forum UK. They were moving on to some of the Facebook groups, and it's just becoming more and more crazy what's going on out there. I've looked at the Star Wars 12-back and early vintage collectors Facebook group. Now, first of all, there was a post by Justin Swarens, and he was just dead chuffed to get himself a 12-back Stormtrooper. He just put a post on, which I thought, you know, that's quite nice. He'd spoken about it. He had had a long day, but ended up with a giant smile on his face. He got back into Star Wars collecting after nearly lost all of his childhood collection in a house fire. But he's saying that he's joined all these Facebook groups now. He's having so much fun. He's always learning something. He's met loads of friends, and he's finally joined the 12-backer club. You could just see in all the text that this guy had written that he was really enjoying the hobby. So completely conversely to the whole losing the mojo, the other side of this. It just looked really good, and I was just like, yeah, good. Good on you, Justin. You, you seem to be enjoying it. But it's Justin is also the guy who's had the crowdfunded Emperor sent off to AFA. Now, have any of you guys seen this? 
Yes, there's this the really, really bad beaten mint on card that will be lucky to grade an Afar 10, and it's a bit of a, a mick take as to what Afar will give it. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's got this completely destroyed Emperor mint on card, and a load of the lads are like, yeah, let's all chip in and send it off to AFA to get graded, and that's exactly what he's done. He's going to get back to me, and he'll obviously put it up as to uh, as to what it gets, but that'll be really, really interesting. And So that was a little mini crowdfunding thing from Facebook which I thought was kind of cool moving on to um, Yavin for the UK based collecting group Jamie Brown had this pretty awesome garage find yeah uh, Jamie told us about this before he went down to collect the items and he, he was terrified and going down because it, it was in a bit of a rough area um, I'm led to believe so I told him if you always Fonzie jacket he's Fonzie leather jacket he, 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 everything will be fine and he would scare all the locals but by all accounts this guy had a lot of stuff in his garage and didn't do Facebook he didn't do EB he didn't do Gumtree I'm not even sure how Jamie managed to get in contact with the guy because by the sounds of it, he's a bit of a hermit and he, he didn't really know what he was going to find when he got down there but the pictures that they put on there of these of these box ships and these box play sets and card backs absolutely fantastic it's, it's another one of the great halls and every, anybody who's going down to FF in August I'm sure he's going to have a lot of that collection for sale there still and, I mean the, the one that caught my eye was a Palatoy box cantina it's a shame that was in a box otherwise I would have snapped it off his hands yeah, it's a great looking find so good on you Jamie mate well chuffed there Moving on to the Vintage Baggies, Mailers and Multipacks Facebook group. It was a guy called Brian Mack is uh, delighted with this Empire Strikes Back 9-pack from this live auction, which was on eBay, which we'll cover later on. Uh, and he, he's delighted with it. He is big-time collector of, of baggies. He didn't know a great deal of information about the 9-pack, but he had got into baggy collecting. He hadn't done any mailers or multipacks before, but he only needed two to collect his baggy collection to complete it and he needed the best bin guard and the power droid and he saw the multi-packs and he saw that they were auctioning them and he, he wanted to get something and he saw that the best bin guard was in the empire strikes back nine pack so he's got it he's got this nine pack it does look really really cool so i understand now brian mack is just after a power droid baggy i wonder how long it takes him and best of luck pal that nine pack went for a thousand bucks thousand bucks he wanted that best bin guard baggy a thousand bucks moving on we've seen the star wars 12 back and early vintage collectors facebook group now these dewey shoemate auctions the test lab signs i saw i first saw david james um lacour just had one of these test lab signs which he had put in his room and it just looked just different totally totally different and have you seen this? And um, and would you consider paying this much money to get this in your room? Yeah, I think I might have mentioned this Saint Grant when the auction first appeared. I, I understand what it is. I understand its significance, but it's to me, it's not a Star Wars item. It's a Kenner item, and, the, and there is a difference. But it's Kenner who allowed us to have Star Wars. If it wasn't for Kenner, then we wouldn't be here now. So, you know, I know what you're saying. And for me, I was looking at this and I was just thinking, yeah, well, well, why not? And, and for those people who who understand about it and look at it, I was just thinking, yeah, this is a little bit of history. You know, there weren't many of these signs. And, and I just think it's really, really cool. So that was David. I want the guy's lab coat. What I think is, is just as cool, in fact, even cooler is when Bill Byers put his up and he got that sign and two others so he actually got a whole collection of these signs it was bill 
who's got the, I think they call it the big deal or something like that, which was about 1500 bucks, which was a lot of signs and business cards and all sorts of stuff. Was there any of those little tiny mini pool tables that you play for stress? <laughs> and uh, he's picked up a few Kenner internal items, and he's definitely got the bug. He's got the production process for artists. That's what he thinks they are. He, he said to me, you know, that these are artists, and he wants to get some of their stuff. So he sparked a new love for him. And when the Dewey auction came up, he knew he had to get some of these signs, as well as Dewey's employee ID. He's also recently picked up an original sculptin smock worn by another employee, a female sculptor, Pete, who worked at Kenner from 75 through to the mid-80s and did some contract work. He's picked up her ID, photograph, and a bunch of internal paperwork. So this is a big-time Kenner fan. He's from Ohio. He's still living in the States. Kenner's part of their state history, and for him, that's a huge draw. So much as there'll be someone from Palatoy, a Star Wars collector, you know, from Colville, who'll probably just think, yeah, I've got this, this, and this. And people will go nuts for it in the UK because as Palatoy is from Colville, oh, yeah, I've got this. So for him, it's a big deal. He's really delighted with it. So, yeah, good on you, Bill. Having said that, tonight, Matthias Rendor has posted up. He's got his own pre-production room. So not a Star Wars display room. You know, Matthias has got a crazy-looking pre-production room, and he's got one of these test... Uh, lab test signs on his door. So product price as soon as you're walking into his pre-production room. So these signs have been bought by people who've definitely got plans for them and just really, really enjoy it and enjoy having Kenner history as part of their collection. Lawrence Dyer and his collection of 42 baggies, which have been sat in a C-3PO carry case in a loft for over 30 years which have come straight from the Palatoy factory. Now, you guys have all seen this. 42 baggies. It's, it's a crack and find. It just makes you wonder, you know, what's still out there. How would these end up in a carry case? I needed to have a conversation with him about this because he's definitely got a few little tales to tell about how he's got hold of this stuff and, and the stuff he's actually gleaned. I want to get Lawrence back, and in fact, I might give him a Skype call before the next podcast to find more about this and, and what it is he knows. But 42 baggies in a C-3PO carry case. Yeah, unheard of. Where Where is this coming from? And as you say, it, it is pretty damn cool. Now, Rich, you're normally spot on when it comes to um, giving us quotes and stuff for prices, which we see time and time again. <laughs> what sort of value would you put on 42 baggies in a C-3PO carry case? 42 baggies in a seat. Well, obviously, that's going to be incredibly difficult without working out what. So, they're all going to be Palatoy ear baggies. Are they? Uh, well, they're all Palatoy baggies, aren't they? So. Oh, are they? I don't know, are they? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to say. Sorry, I'm going to say the best part of £8,000. And the carry case? And, yeah, an, an extra £30 for the carry case. Well, I think what we'd have to do is ask some of the baggy serious collectors about this because, you know, there are going to be some which are like, you know, a rocking horse doo-doo. Yeah. Hang, on, hang on, the C-3PO carry case didn't, was never made by Palatoy. Yeah, which makes it even more bizarre that we've got 40-odd Palatoy baggies inside the C-3PO carry case. Truth. Wow. Definitely intriguing. And when I said to him, you know, send, send me a message, he was quite keen to, to have a chat about it. I started chatting with him last night, but I didn't quite get to the end of it. So definitely, I am going to have to get back to you on this one. Going over to Rebel Scum. Now, now, as I said last week, they don't tend to post as much in the LA. Now, I was thinking about this. We see all this stuff, constant posting on Facebook. Hey, look what I got. Hey, look what I got. Hey, hey look what I got. And the stuff just goes, doesn't it? It, it 
it gets deleted. After a while, it just gets replaced with something else. Whereas that's a good thing about Star Wars Forum UK and also about Rebel Scum, the fact that you can go back and you can see these things, and they are pretty much archived, whereas Facebook tends to be a fire and forget. On those uh, Facebook groups, the thing that really gets me on them is the fact that no one talks about anything. It's just, hey, look what I've got. Look what I've got. Or look what I've got for sale. Nice haul. That's no horrible, actually, isn't it? And then no one actually discusses it or actually says, hey, guys, you know, oh, what's this? Where's it come from? Oh, yeah, why was this made? It's just a, like a look at me, look at me. Uh, I think some of these, I think the moderators on some of the groups need to actually no, step the, in. The moderators, like, the, the moderators aren't used to power at all, so they see themselves as like some kind of glowing beacon of light in the Star Wars community by just being like, hey, hang on a second there, Sony. I think groups need to either be a selling group or a buying group, or they should be a discussion group, because they're, they're right. getting really boring. But looking at Rebel Scum, down from the 1900-odd pages which we've got on Star Wars Forum UK, Rebel Scum page 157, we've got Duskamp, who's actually also known as Kavik on Star Wars Forum UK. He's put up a Rebel Soldier Palatoy UKG-85. Stunning piece. Really lovely. As I said, he's on both forums, but he's just put up now, very recently, Meccano Empire Strikes Back, Leah Hoth. Now, these things are like hen's teeth. He's got it on page 159, a Meccano ESB. I've not seen one of those before. They are awesome. So, uh, yeah, good on you. His name's Ove, and it's good to see you posting on, on both forums, buddy. Now, finally, from the shout-outs point of view, page 157, a guy called Punk Pat. He's got a removable limbs 3PO baggy, which has got two left feet. Now, Pete. I've seen you on the bounce. <laughs> Peter's got two left feet as well. Yeah. The, you, you see this thing, um, two left feet in a baggie. I just think that's cool. You're on the, you're on page one five seven, and then there's a link which takes you to a separate misfit thread, uh, which shows some really really cool stuff of things just getting manufactured incorrectly. Which yeah, it's it's nice to see. So uh, nice one. His name's Ed. So shout out to you, Punk Pat. It's it's got Pete's two left feet. Having trouble with your drive? All right, guys, the last one I want to talk about in this month's latest acquisitions is Ian Sanderson's Chrome Test C-3PO. Now, this was part of, again, a Jewish Shoemate auction where there were some loose figures. Now, he saw these, and initially, Ian said that he wanted to go for the cloud car pilot prototype with weapons, but that just went far too high for him. It pretty much doubled what, what he was prepared to go for. And uh, he just said, oh, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'll go for this loose set, which looks quite nice. They didn't really go into any detail. And he actually got it. He won it for about half the price he was prepared to go for. And he said he, he got this 3PO, and it was a bit fluky. It was unexpected, wasn't it? He was only buying a job yes. for the figures, and it was he didn't pay a lot of money for them and it, and it was going through them all that he spotted this and that, that makes the big difference for me it wasn't advertised as a chrome test shot cool no absolutely Ian's done really really well here because he saw the loose lot and he just thought this is this is a significant auction this is you know main test guy Jewish humour people will be talking about this for a while and just to have something which was part of that whole Kenner history and Ian saw oh you know I get a handful of loose figures and being a DSD focus collector, he just thought, oh, there's a Death Star droid in there. Oh, so that, yeah, some nice figures in there actually. There's a Luke X-wing, three PR two. Right, yeah, I'll have a little punt on that. So he went for it. But I think most of the hype was over double telescope in this and pre-production this, and this just went under the radar. So it might surprise you to know that he won all of this for seventy-six dollars. Now, when you look at the loose figures which he got, you know, you turn this around. You could quite easily sell those individually 
again or you know on facebook or on ebay or what have you 76 dollars. so what are we talking i don't know roughly about 50 pound or so for a nice bunch of loose figures and then he just noticed he thought right okay let's have a little look at this 3po it's got some markings on the leg and knowing that it came from this lot he thought it was a good chance that it was some sort of test and he showed it to steve and gary and they confirmed it and you can see the similarities between that and a die-cast cloud car, and which he's put up on both forums, on Star Wars Forum UK and on Rebel Scum. So it is just cross-hatching, just making sure that the chrome um, stands up to the test of time or, or kids playing with it, chucking it into a toy box, etc. It's a complete fluke. He's absolutely locked in and, and good on him because, you know, Ian's one of these guys who sells an awful lot on the forum. He doesn't take the mick. He just, you know, keeps it real, keeps the prices real. He's done very well being a seller, but he certainly looked after all of us on the forum and he's been true to it. So it's nice. It just seems karma that this guy has just taken a punt and he's got himself a nice test figure. He's absolutely delighted with it. Now, I did say, what are you going to do with this? You know, you've got something which you didn't think you were going to get. But obviously your focus is is Death Star droid. So you never know. He's going to keep it for the moment. But we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. That's a bargain. Yeah, that, that that was an awesome steal, and I'm really glad. I couldn't wish that on a nicer guy. Well done, Ian. Is he going to get it graded or authenticated or anything? I'm not sure if he's actually going to get it authenticated. He, he, it already comes with Providence, then, does it? Well, pretty much the fact that it, it, it's come here, he says that Tom didn't see the figures, and if this info had been known, then he's sure people would have paid a lot more. These were just glossed over as most of the focus was on the other stuff. But because it's come from there, he's he's going to get the reassurance of knowing that this is genuine. And it does, when you look at the photographs of the cloud car, it's, it's identical. So I don't think there's going to be any doubts whatsoever. I think Ian's chucked in that 50 quid or whatever it is, and he's now turned over, a, a, I would say, a considerable investment. Yeah, cool, man. That's awesome. At least you're still in one piece. So what happened to me? So we've seen so many different things, be it dressing up stuff, be, be it mint on cards, be it signs. Uh, we've seen something for everyone, really, hopefully. You know, there's, you can see that we're all collectors. We all want to get something different. And as long as we enjoy it and we don't bust our wads on credit cards and this, that and the other, and we keep it real, then I, I think it's great. The, this whole thing is a pleasure looking at everyone's stuff. And it's really, really cool. Don't forget, there are so many things out there now. So if anyone looks at something which they think, oh, yeah, the podcast guys need to talk about that, don't forget, just just tag us in, in whatever or just bring it to our attention or feel free to send us an email or a private message because it would be really, really good to see what else we can have on next month. Till then, cheers, lads. Okay, guys, welcome to this month's event section. And this month I am with Dave Tree, who is the event coordinator for Fathers From. Dave, welcome back to the Vintage Rebellion podcast. What can I say? Welcome back. This is the first time I've been on this podcast. Surely, surely, in, in, in its new iteration. You know, in its new iteration, yeah. You were one of the ones on our very first podcast, I believe. That, no, that's true, that's true. That, that, that was, uh, I remember it well, we were set upstairs, weren't we, in the, in the town hall, and I think you were using your mobile phone or something. Well, so I was, I was using my phone 4. <laughs> we were just like sat there like, uh, but it just felt, that room's really oppressive. It feels like, uh, uh, for me anyway, it feels like school, and it just, like, ugh. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, Dave, speaking of Fathers From, you have yet another Fathers From on its way uh, in August, I believe. 
That's correct. August 2nd, the, the fine folk and beyond of uh, uh, fans of Souls Vintage Collecting all descend on the tiny town of Fordingbridge in Hampshire. Um, and for those listening who, who've never been or, or don't know where it is, uh, there is a reason why it's called Farthest From, because it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, to give you a bit of an idea, if you look on the map of the UK and you have the Isle of Wight, it's just above there, more or less. So we're, we're dead centre on near the south coast, um, and we're between Salisbury, Bournemouth and Southampton, so on the edge of the New Forest. But people come down uh, on a Sunday. Um, or in many cases now, you know, it's becoming a bit of a tradition, people coming down the night before, and that's just as much uh, a part of the event, it seems, as, as, as the day itself. So it, it's, it's growing bigger and, and more fun, uh, and uh, we're up to three times a year now. Is, is this seven or eight? We're on. I was going to ask you that that was my next question. I think this is eight. <laughs> this might be eight. I, it's all a blur now. <laughs> I just really don't know. Um, so yeah, that means we've probably been, we've been doing this for about three years now. Yeah, man. Uh, time's flown. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm super looking forward to uh, this Father's Farm because I know what's going to happen there. But I was wondering if you'd be uh, so kind as to tell our listeners what you have planned for us uh, at Father's Farm 8. Yeah, sure. I mean, for each show that we do, the, the idea behind it really is a way for people to uh, immerse themselves in all things from the original Star Wars trilogy. So not necessarily just the, the toys itself, um, but all, all range of collectibles and uh, memorabilia that was associated to Star Wars from the 70s and 80s. And each time we do it, we try and give content unique to each show in, in the form of either presentations uh, or otherwise, uh, so that even if you are flat broke and you cannot afford anything, you can still come along to the show and leave richer for the experience. Um, you know, you might, uh, you know, learn a few things. You'd be able to see things. You'd be able to meet new friends. You'd be able to, you know, I mean, people say networking. I don't really see it as that. You're just getting to know people. Um, and the whole point of this starting up in the first place was I just felt like everybody was kind of isolated and existing on forums. And, you know, by getting to hook up and meet people, you know, put names to faces and, all the rest of it, you know, you, you, you enjoy what you're doing even more. But along with that, you know, word spreads, and occasionally we have uh, guests coming along, and we've got two for this for this upcoming show, which is super fantastic. Uh, we've got two international guests, uh, which we had previously a couple of years ago with Gus and Duncan coming, but uh, for 2nd of August, we've got St. Chain Turgeon coming down uh, from Canada, um, who's in the UK to uh, promote his new book, uh, A Force in the Flesh, uh, Volume 2. And he'll be there signing copies of, of that book. And also uh, coming over from Sweden is Matthias Rendell, uh, who will be uh, selling and signing copies of his book as well, A New Proof. So a multi-international show theme lined up for this one, which is really, really cool and you know, super happy to have both Shane and Mateus, like, you know, first of all, come to the show. I mean, I, I, I kind of try to pre-warn them that, you know, this isn't 
like sort of celebration <laughs> sized event. You know, it's the size of a tennis court. Um, but within there, there's a there's a whole lot of love and a whole lot of passion. And um, I, you know, I, I I'm super grateful that they've uh, managed to kind of. Uh, shoehorn this in and you know and take the punt to come across and I hope everybody who comes to the show you know appreciates the lengths that they've gone to and and um, you know get a chance to talk to them have a look at the books and you know hopefully purchase a copy as well yeah I think that, I think that's dead exciting mate that people from abroad come all that way to check out the show I think that says a lot about the show and I think you know if I was you know an international collector and I saw fathers from because I'm not sure if there's anything else quite like it is there anywhere <laughs> I'd be worried if there was <laughs> <laughs> um well it's difficult to say i mean you you see all things on um on forums from time to time of like uh, local Star Wars uh, club meetups and things like that, and I, you know, whenever I see any pictures of those, you know, I, I'm always kind of super excited to to see um, see that sort of thing because uh, I think it, you know, it, 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 it's great and it's it all expands and uh, promotes the, the hobby in a healthy way. You know, it, it, it's it's a social thing as much as as anything else, and farthest from you know, at its core roots is is effectively just a little toy show. Uh, but because of the, the whole social nature side of things, that's kind of like taken over. And I think it is, you know, it, it has become a thing in itself uh, that people are wanting to come down, you know. And I'm, I'm getting to see people that I just don't see at any other time. Um, like Richard, for example, because he's like north of the wall. Um and, you know, he's, he's making the trip to come down and, and all sorts and, you know, other people. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, brilliant in that sense. And the more people that come along, the merrier. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it is the people that make it. And um, for some reason, this Father's Forum, I'm really looking forward to it more than any other, uh, especially to see people. I think the summer definitely helps. I mean, I remember last year's one, you know, everybody was quite happy to sit out in the beer gardens and things oh, that's like that. brilliant. You know, and, and, it, and it's and it's nice, and you know, it's it's a bit more laid back. Um, the Christmas one's fun because you know we try and introduce like the Christmas dinner, and you know, last year's one, <laughs> the, the, the quiz that just went wrong, and everything else. But and then the, the, you know, got, got to think of a theme for like the spring one. But like, I think each each one is has its unique traits. Um, yeah. I definitely think you know the warm weather, you know, and the lighter evenings definitely help. You know, everybody's in a in a chilled out mood and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, I think that uh, that definitely helps a long way to to the vibe of the show. Excellent. Okay, Dave, have you actually heard any more news from any of the dealers that are going to be there this this time? That's a great question. We we always try and cram in what we can in in the uh, town hall. And uh, we always have a great spread of uh, dealers and, and traders and, and collectors as well, uh, offering a, a wide range. So things that are for a couple of pounds to things that are, you know, in some cases, a couple of thousand pounds. Uh, but we got a couple of things lined up for this one, which is really, really nice in the sense of that uh, you've got a collector, Mark Walsh, coming down and he's using the show as a platform to part, as I understand, I, I might have some of these details wrong, so shout at me if I have, 
but uh, I, I believe it's his own personal collection of proof card and uh, proof material. So he's, you know, and that's a real nice tie with Mateus being there um, with his book. Um, but Mark is is uh, showcasing and, and selling a large collection of, of, of proof cards and things like that. So it's the right platform for that sort of thing. Uh, whilst there is the temptation for things like auctions and, and, and all the rest of it, they're not always necessarily the best thing when it comes to like pre-production material, uh, I feel, because um, you are not really uh, getting the chance to see it as collectors, you know, up close and personal and, and actually, you know, uh, take those things of value. You would normally find that production things, you know, tend to steal the limelight in uh, auctions and things like that. At least they have been in the UK in the last sort of year or so. So that's really cool. We've also got uh, Christian Sommer from GW Acrylic, who always supports the show and always has a fantastic setup showcasing all of his different uh, acrylic cases and display materials like plinths and steps that uh, will look fantastic within like um, your uh, display cabinets. But Christian is going to be doing a sweepstakes giveaway. So everybody who comes into the show will get a little raffle ticket um, and then Christian will be doing a draw uh, for uh, a, a couple of different things to give away. Uh, so just literally by turning up to the show, you could be walking away with a cool GW acrylic product. Christian will also do a new product announcement as well um, as part of the, the, the schedule of presentations that we've got lined up. Um, he wants to just take a few minutes to talk to people about uh, a new product that he's got coming up. So that's almost like a bit of a product reveal. So that's that's really cool as well. Okay, Dave, this Father's Farm, you have for the first time introduced VIP tickets. Can you tell us something about those? Yeah, um, this is something that we've not done before. We've, we've introduced uh, a VIP ticket uh, for the show itself. Uh, and this will give, you know, for, for a, a little additional premium, this will give people some unique content that they've not had before. So, um, and the, the reason for this isn't so much uh, for the show itself. This is actually to help out a fellow collector more than any, anything else, um, who, um, uh, through a, a, a series of uh, circumstances, um, uh, just needs a, a a little bit of boost to to try and uh, get back uh, some money that he invested uh, back back for like Star Wars Celebration. So for the uh, nominal sum of twenty five pounds, you will get early bird entry into the show on Sunday. Uh, you will also get uh, six trading cards uh, that were uh, exclusive to Celebration um, Anaheim. A uh, embroidered patch, a uh, Star Wars Forum UK pin badge, a Star Wars Forum UK uh, sticker, um, uh, two greetings cards that are based off the artwork that we we commissioned for Fathers from, which were for our first two flocked characters, so Admiral Flockbar and Flockbacker. Uh, so there's two greetings cards there. Uh, a unused card back from uh, the Black Series for Boba Fett. Uh, and again, these were exclusive to Celebration um, Europe for Essen, part of the uh, launch for, for the Black Series. So there's an unused uh, Boba Fett uh, card back there. 
and also uh, you get uh, a couple of free drinks of your choice during the day of the show uh, from our canteen area, so like tea, coffee, or water, or Diet Coke, Coca-Cola, that sort of thing. Um, and they're available from uh, www.farthestfrom.com, um, and you'll be able to see there uh, a, a section of the websites for the exclusives, uh, which allow you to pre-order uh, your VIP ticket, of which there's only uh, just over 20 available uh, in total. But you'll also be able to reserve your copy of A Force in the Flesh and a new proof there as well. So if you want to guarantee yourselves those copies for the show, you know, I do strongly advise you going to the website to, to pre-order those and you can also get your VIP ticket there as well. And best of all, help out a fellow Star Wars collector as well. Well, if there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from. I see some. And then there's the Bendham's presentation. Oh, finally we get the Bendham's presentation. <laughs> this is a year in the making. This is the Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've got to do it. Uh, I mean, uh, for anybody who uh, is listening, if you've ever turned your nose up at Bendham's, shame on you. Um, it's an amazing product. Uh, it's the missing link between what you have now and what you had back then. And uh, I think it's about time that uh, this hugely neglected and overlooked genius product uh, gets the recognition it deserves. So I'm doing a little presentation on that. Um, and then there'll be a, a couple of other presentations. I dare say I'm hoping Shane and, and Mateus will uh, uh, take time to um, talk through Probably the, uh, the 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 goings on and the behind of the book, books of each that they've written as well. So give give people a bit of a additional insight into uh, into those publications. Phenomenal, mate! I can't wait. Listen, thank you so much for coming on to the Vintage Rebellion. Oh, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I really look forward to seeing you in like ten, fifteen days, buddy. Oh my God, is it that close? Yeah, chop chop now. Uh, I've got to flop my figures. <laughs> Okay, some events rounding off the summer. July 18th to 19th, we have the Chesterfield Carnival. July 25th is the Romford Essex Sci-Fi Charity Convention. July 25th to 26th is HCon in Eastleigh. August 1st is Preston Comic Con. August 1st and 2nd, Optimus Southwest Film and TV Convention in Torquay. As mentioned by our guest Dave Tree, 2nd of August will be Fathers from 8 in Fordenbridge. Also on August 8th is Yorkshire Cosplay Con in Rotherham. August 15th to 16th is Sheffield Film and Comic Con. And August 22nd to 23rd is Collectomania in Glasgow. As always, type these names into Google or Facebook, or contact us at the usual address and we can provide you a link. Have fun! Vintage Rebellion podcast is proud to be sponsored by Vectus Auctions Limited, collectible toy specialists. You can find them online and see forthcoming or past auction results at www.vectis.com. 
www.ebay.co.uk. If you have a collection you may want to get valued for sale, then you can give them a ring on 01642 750616 or email them at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at vectis.co.uk. They have two sites for drop-in visits for collections in Thornaby, Stockton-on-Tees, and their postcode is TS179JZ. And they also have a site in Whitney, Oxfordshire, and that postcode is OX281UB. If you are contacting the Oxford office, please use the phone number 01993 709 424. May the force be with you. Okay, this one's on board section. We're going to be looking at collecting revenge proofs. And when we discuss this holy grail quest is Mark Walsh from the UK. Welcome, Mark. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. And yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, Mark, you're practically the only person I know who's actually completed the full run of revenge card backs. Uh, this is a, you know, a, a grail quest for many collectors out there. And, you know, later we might actually be discussing you selling your collection. But to start us off, Mark, why Revenge of the Jedi Proofs? What made you start collecting those? But for me, really, it was the, um, mostly the name and also the, the how easy it was at the time to pick them up and how uh, reasonable price compared to other proofs that were out there. And also you can get a full set because um, quite a few of the other um, proofs you can't get a full run. Right. And I'm, I'm a completist. I, I like to complete a whole uh, one thing. At the time. Okay, can you give us sort of like a our listeners a brief description of what these what these proofs actually are and how they sort of differ from card backs? What are we looking at when we're looking at revenge proofs? Well, um, it's quite good. Well, obviously revenge because obviously when it's actually called revenge of the Jedi, it's called return. Uh, that was obviously the beginning of what they were going to call it. It's the revenge of the Jedi. How how any proofs are done. Um, it's a design stage before it meant to go to the manufacturer. So they, they um, design what it's going to look like, run off several uh, copies of it, and make sure it's the right and the and the right spacing of everything. That's uh, that's basically what um, a proof is. Okay, so these proofs would be towards the end of the pre-production process, pretty close to the production process. Then, my understanding is the stage before it goes to the manufacturer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. When did you actually start collecting uh, proof cards? Well, I, I fell into it quite by accident, really. I, I picked up um, three quite quite recently, and I just put it to one side. And I didn't really think of anything of it uh, until Bram um, was selling um, selling his revenge stuff. Okay. And then I went, when I, um, I thought I was thinking about perhaps uh, buying one or two, bought out the the um, three that I had, and I I just looked at them for for a good day or two and I, I just like the artwork like not having a bubble stuck on it pretty much pristine as you can get to um, any, anything uh, you want so that is uh, that's how I got into it and that was probably about two and a half years ago wow so you collected uh, all 50 cards in two and a half years yes um, I, I managed to get it in um, about two and a half years um, but I haven't just um, collected the 50 I'm Managed to um, like buy um, a ma- like lot of lots of um, amounts off of people. So um, some sometimes bought four or five off of someone. 
I needed three or four, and then, I'm, then I sold the other one on to help someone else uh, with their collection. Ah, right, okay, I see what you mean. Now, am I right in thinking that all of these revenge proofs have rounded corners? Uh, no, they haven't got all rounded corners. They're, um, they're, they're exactly like any other proof card. It's not like a sample card. It's like a proof, um, like any other proof card. It has two rounded corners at the top, the square ones at the bottom. Ah, right. So that's a good way of telling the difference then. Yes. Well, it, it, like uh, that's the difference between a proof card and a uh, sample card. Right. Okay. So uh, you were collecting lots of other revenge stuff at the same time. Is, is that right? Yes, yes. Um, I've, I've done several runs of uh, mini rigs. Um, got several box flats, cromlins, uh, proof sheets like duplexes. Just, um, just when I could pick them up, really. Okay. Were you surprised of the amount of prototype production revenge can uh, orientated collectibles that were out there? Yeah. To be fair, I was extremely surprised because um, at first I just thought it's going to be quite a challenge to pick up the fifty. And then when it started to get harder and harder to find the last, I suppose, 10 that I really needed, um, I, I was beginning to look into other other things to to uh, perhaps collect. For example, I, I managed to pick up a, a nice um, Avengers uh, Jello X-Wing uh, Battle Damaged uh, box right. flat. Right. And uh, I, I took it and thought, well, that looks, that looks pretty cool. Um, it's the same, same sort of price and proof. Um so if I get anything else, then I, I may pick it up. And um, and then, obviously, when you start looking, you um, you normally find stuff. And um, yeah, I just started to buy um, all sorts of mini rig ones, and it's it's, it's quite a good good um, good space filler. But it does take up a lot of room when you get when when you see some bits, it's like okay, that's a lot bigger than I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Especially if it's been graded in the acrylic as well, it takes up even more room. Yes, um, quite a few of my pieces are um, are graded. That's the only way, really, I could have got them on quite a few uh, cases. And that's quite surprising because most people don't in the in the pre-production um, collecting circuits don't like stuff graded. They they like to have it uh, like a not just ungraded so you can see it better. Um, unlike the card backs, the card back proofs for Revenge of the Jedi. Were there any of the Return of the Jedi vehicles, did they actually make it to Proofs and Cromlins or anything like that, or, or, or was it all pre-Return of the Jedi memorabilia? So what, um, what, what, was, the, like, what was the question exactly? Did, did, did you get any, or is, do you mean any prototypes, like um, made-up sample boxes and stuff like that? Yeah, because on the actual card backs, it's always the first 50 figures, isn't it? So it's the ones that were released before Return of the Jedi, and I was wondering, because you were collecting the other Revenge, Proofs and Cromlins, did any of the Return of the Jedi stuff actually come out on the Revenge? Uh, of the oh, right, logo? that's what you're talking about. No, um, not my understanding. There is several uh, 65 backs uh, available that had, uh, they went for another one, and that's, um, they're offless, and they are very, very hard to find and uh, collect. I've seen four, um, like, Possibly uh, up for tra uh, trade or sale, but but they're um, they they're very very um, few and far between. It's a shame that there are no sort of Return of the Jedi characters on on the main lot on the main Revenge of the Jedi ones. But I did see a Revenge of the Jedi Lily Letty Yoda on Toy Hunter. Did you see that one, which had the actual figure carded on it? No, I didn't actually. Uh, um, to be fair, I, I haven't actually seen many of the. Uh, 
many of the new ones. Do you do you actually know when any when these proofs were actually made? Is this like 1982, or are we going into 1983 here, just before Jedi's released in the cinema? Well, um, to be fair, um, I don't exactly know when um, when they were made because uh, it, it must have must have been uh, been like in the 1983, I would assume, because that's um, that's what quite a few of the the AFA graded ones say, 1983, like to the early design stage. I'm not too sure on that one. Yeah, they they have all of the Empire figures on there, so I guess the Empire run is finished by now. Uh, for them to have yeah. the last of the Empire runs on there, but yeah, it's quite interesting to find out when these proofs are sort of like available. Now, as you started collecting these, doing some research on it, I found that there's a consensus about the amount of proofs for each figure. And they, normally, the consensus is that there's about 50 proofs for every Revenge figure. Would you agree with that? Yes, my understanding uh, that is roughly the amount there is for each uh, that was produced. Um, obviously. That doesn't determine how many actually survive. Right. Ah, okay. Because uh, what I have uh, figured is that depending on the proof card, the prices seem to range wildly when it comes to revenge proofs. Have you found that when you were collecting them? Yes. It, it's all about um, supply and demand. Because obviously you've got favourite characters from people. Um, for typically, uh, you've got Boba Fett. That's the most... Uh, iconic proof there is, and most expensive. Uh, there is no no um, thing for rarity or anything like that. It's all about characters, what it is. That's my my term. Because you've got 50 of each, but some are more desirable than others. Like right. a white best guard is not considered the same as a Luke Farboy, for example. Yeah. Actually, that will reflect in the price. It's like um, on any any production side, if um, you can pick up a Cleto. Um, and that's not going to be worth as much as um, as a Darth Vader. Yeah. So it, it's it's all the same sort of relative uh, relative, relative to when it comes to pre-production as well. Well, what did you find? Was there any sort of uh, profound valuations on some of the proof cards when you started collecting them that really shocked you? Um, before I started to collect uh, proof cards, real um, to be fair, I didn't actually buy anything. Uh, that much over five hundred pound. Right. Um, I did uh, did fork out quite a bit for some power the force um, mocks I had, but um, when when I started to collect them, I was like, um, okay, this is uh, a lot more more expensive than I thought. So that's when I had to start selling off my uh, mocks and my like box ships and stuff like that to fund my uh, my collection. Um, so, but lucky enough, um, I managed to pick up. I, uh, Almost twenty from uh, from one one person brand, and that was that was a very big help. Wow! And uh, and then and then it was another all then was like I had Darth Vader, and a couple of the others. Um, the, the ones are actually quite hard to find, um, so that that required good. But but then obviously when when you're getting down to your last ones, it's like getting even harder, and and you're thinking oh. So I increase how much I spend, <laughs> but you know, all, it's all about waiting. And uh, people know that you're collecting it; they know what ones you're looking for. And I've, I've found that people will actually tell you when something's perhaps come up, or and, and and they'll be able to help you. Like, oh yeah, I know someone that might be uh, selling this. Um, I'll put you in contact. So that's that's that was quite nice to find that side. Yeah. Did you did you find out if like were the Star Wars figures rarer than the Empire Strikes Back figures, or there was was there any formula to it at all? Yes. The the, the first twelve, um, I would say probably 
some of the hardest ones to get now anyway. Uh, not when I when I first started, but when I first started, you, you, you saw them in quite a few places. But now, you very rarely find 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 something in the open market. Like uh, you've got a couple on eBay um, that's always flowing around, but not on the variety that well it was a couple of years ago. Uh, right. So those twelve are the mainly hardest ones to to get because everyone wants a focus collection. They always seem to go for the first 12. So obviously people pick the first 12 on proofs or anything that they can get. Okay, well, about the, um, there's, there's two really irregular ones then. That's the blank template revenge proof and the RTT2 one, which is listed in the nameplate. Are they pretty rare? Or? Again, they're not rare because there's still 50 of them. Um, but they are quite desired. They're, they are up there with the first 12. Because um, R two they class as the first twelve, which is a solid dome, and the picture is is probably one of my favourite ones there out of the lot. Um, and like with the R two, you've got the, the blank nameplate, and also the Kenner is um, is white. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, so it's, it looks quite unfinished, quite nice. And then you've got the blank that's obviously black and white, which is just a logo. You can just see whereabouts it would be positioned. So it's a test one, why uh, why I like to call it the test um, template, so you can so you get a rough idea where it's going to go. And they're quite quite well designed and quite nice to have. Yeah, they, they do look really cool. Um, so if you were to say put like a a few together that you'd say are the hardest ones to find, which ones would you say are the tough ones to get? Uh, the top five, I would say Boba Fett would be first, right? Um, because so many people want him. Um, there is, there have been recently though, uh, free that's been on eBay, um, and, and, and other, other places to get them. So that one's probably dropped out of the uh, top five now, but if, when I was trying to find, uh, find it, it is, that was one of my top five that it was quite hard to find. Um, original, um, Leah, um, Leah Organa is, that is, that is really hard because a lot of people are trying to find it. For their run or their um, proof run, so that that's up there. So I know four people um, that would like mine, um, just off the top of my head. And then Darth Vader, that's quite a, a nice uh, hard one to get since I kind of character. Luke Farm Boy, yeah, and Death Star um, Droid. Wow. They are, yeah, it's, it's it's quite surprising. I I just could not find one. Um, for over a year, that was my last one I needed to complete the set. That was that was um, wherever I could try and find, just couldn't, could not find one. But uh, yeah, that's, lucky enough I got that one now. Do you find? I mean, I, I remember it was only a couple of years ago that there seemed to be a lot more proofs, uh, revenge proofs on the market than there are now. Do you think these have gone into collections for uh, for people to keep, and there's less on the market than there were? Yeah. Um, well, two years ago, people didn't, in my view, didn't really know. Um, much about proof cards. In the past couple of years, uh, there's been a lot more um, knowledge spread around, um, especially with Matisse's uh, book that's just come out this year. Yeah, that, um, that's that's really brought into the um, into the mainstream, as I like to call it, uh, and and that's why the desirability of um, of proof cards is is going strength to strength. Um, it's nice to see because uh, if you think. Uh, Back in the 90s, you can pick them up for $30 each. Yeah. 
crazy. Now you can't e- e- even get anything under five, six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's also it's also good news for you as well because you're actually, am I right in saying that you're considering selling your complete run of Revenge Proofs? Yes, um, I've, I've a lot of uh, stuff come up um, this this year that unfortunately means I'll uh, we'll be seeing not just selling my just my Revenge, but all my pre-production stuff. So that is proof sheets, box flats, um, Empire Strikes Back, uh, proof card, everything. Wow. Okay, and to contact you to to sort of purchase these things, mate, where, where's the best place to do, to do it? I know you discussed that you might be bringing a lot of this to Fathers from. I'll be bringing actually everything um, I have for sale to Fathers from. Uh, some of the items probably will be sold by then, but I did say I'll bring the whole set for people to just, just to see and just to um, look at, um, see a full set. It's, it's quite special when, when, when I last put the last one on the wall to store it and it just looked amazing i just sat here for a couple of days just staring at it again two, two and a half years love yeah. it yeah that's really cool man that's super awesome um but you are you going to be selling any of the proofs that father's from yes um i probably will be having uh about 60 to sell there wow yeah so it will be um it it'll be probably um probably a good uh, good 60 there with probably about 15, 20 proof sheets or cromlins, um, <laughs> including, including probably a powerful A-wing um, uh, fire cromlin as well. What, the actual A-wing fighter? Yes, yes. Wow, holy smokes, that's incredible. Yeah, so that will be, uh, will be there. Um, it's it's quite, a, quite a nice piece to have. Uh, I was in two minds of selling that. But that will be there uh, with probably an A-wing first shot as well. Yeah, Mark, that sounds absolutely incredible. I've got just the spot in my collection for both of those items. You just you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I, I can just imagine. I can just imagine. <laughs> well, Mark, if you're going to give any uh, advice to anyone who's going to start thinking about picking up revenge proofs, of course they could come down the father's farm and buy an entire set straight off. But if they were to, going to start collecting today in today's market. What kind of advice would you give them? My main advice would be research, ask people around, and and just take your time. Um, it will be very, very hard to put any, anything like a set together now because so many people just want one uh, to do a run with or or, or just try and get a, like a, a group of bounty hunters together. It, it's, it's all about what you like. That's the main, most important thing. Uh, like, if you, if, if you really like a character... Then go for that character. Don't uh, don't just settle for any any other character. If you if you like a like a, a tie fighter pilot, then you buy that one. Like you you just wait, buy your time, and, and just ask around. People are more than willing to um, to help uh, any, anyone with any advice or or perhaps help them try and track down the proofs that they want. Yeah, excellent. And um, do you think the prices will ever change with these kind of things, or can you constantly see them going up and up like everything else? Well, everything's got um, got a price. But, um, yeah, as you say, everything is going up and up and up um, at the moment. But that was like when the last films come up, they, they went up and up, and then they went down again. But, it's, um, but with the demand at the moment for four proofs, at the moment I can only see it go up. I can't really see it flatlining or going down because so many more people are coming in, into that market and it's very, very limited supply. So if you think about it, if 
there's only 1,500 revenge proofs out there. That is it. Um, that's uh, that's hardly anything compared to any other production line that is out there. That's yep. what that's what you've got to look at. Um, and and that and that is the most readily available is revenge proofs. Yeah. You go for um, some of some of the ESB proofs, that are one of a kind, um, stuff like that. So so then therefore you can be talking even more money. Unfortunately. Well, Mark, I'm, I've got to be honest with you. I'm dead excited now to go to come to Father's Farm and to see your collection. I'm terrified I'll buy something off you because I really can't afford Power of the Force A-Wing proofs, but uh, we'll definitely have a gander and see what you got there. Thank you so much for coming on the Vintage Rebellion, mate. Obviously, if there's anything we can do to help, uh, please let us know. But, you know, come on the show more often and we could have you on for a round table or something. That'd be uh, very much appreciated. Thanks for um, inviting me on. Uh, no worries, Mark. We'll have you on again and we can discuss those Power of the Force A-Wing proofs. I'd love to know more about that. No worries. Okay. All right. Cheers, buddy. Okay. Bye. first item on the agenda this week guys is the Salisville auction. Um, I don't usually cover many US auctions but this caused a lot of chat online due to a number of reasons. Uh, first off we'll cover the type of auction, uh, then discussions about outing as an auction on the SWF UK forum, then we'll highlight the actual items that sold. The good bit. Um, Salisville auction is actually based in Pennsylvania but this auction was live on eBay. Uh, it's a change eBay made recently that they are now hosting auction houses. Uh, we think that too many people are maxing their credit cards as the world shrinks everything being online. I guess this is a game changer. Um, for example, I found an auction recently that wasn't being covered live online and I struggled to make an impact on some bulk lots because I had to send an email bid into admin staff, which in the end was completely pointless because I sent the email in with a bid, I didn't hear back from them, uh, I didn't have any idea what was actually going on, whether it was the highest bid or I wasn't, so I didn't win anything, so I assumed nothing happened. It can't have gone unnoticed um, from auction houses and I guess eBay themselves that if people prepared to pay £10,000, £15,000 for one-off items and more and more of these things are kind of getting out there. I mean, we've had the, the part of Death Star, which we'll talk about later on. I mean, these items are, are big, big items, and if eBay and auction houses can make a percentage out of these items when collectors are prepared to pay enormous fees, then then more and more auction houses are going to want a piece of that. And that's why they're, well, that's why eBay have started this up, and people are going to start heading towards them. So, Rich, you spend most of your time going back and forth to Vectors. Do you think this is going to signal the beginning of the end for the sort of traditional auction house? Um, not for the very near future, but certainly I would say once the guys who've collected, um, you know, the toy cars and the toy trains, I mean, most of those guys are in the 50s and over now, aren't they? So I think once that generation starts to uh, move on to pastures new, places like Vectis and uh, Aston's, I mean, their overheads are probably more than what they need to be. So... 
you know, they don't really need to be paying for these huge warehouses, do they? I think they're always going to have a warehouse, um, but not a public-facing one as such, so they don't have to have all the insurance and all that sort of stuff, you know, car parking, all that sort of, of, of nonsense. But, I mean, I mean, this auction was pretty... I mean, was an enormous auction um, in prices. Um, I know that some people got a rather miffed that um, this actually got outed, but I, I really can't see... Um, ongoing, how how that's gonna gonna be stopped, especially with a monstrous size uh, thing like eBay um, with all these items on. Quick round table on this. Um, I mean, I'm totally, you know, against outing individual auctions, but I've got a problem with you know with stopping the outing of big auctions. Grant, what do you think? What's your what's your main objection, or if you have one? Uh, May I think we've discovered that. There's no chance these days of anything slipping through the radar. There's too many eyes on it. It's too easy to post a link. So everything is just is open game now, mate, to be honest with you. I don't think it matters what uh, anyone's opinion is. It's too late already. Jez, does this, does this annoy you if someone outs an auction you're watching? No, I think Grant said I put it on the forum the other day that Nothing goes under the radar now. You know, people are doing searches on stuff, even spelt wrong, you know, style spelt wrong searches and, and, and all sorts of stuff. I've just realized that there are some people who are just happen to have their life stuck to the internet and they can just be monitoring these cell sites constantly whilst they're doing another job, which is internet based or computer based. So, um, no, nothing, nothing's hidden. So, crack on. Stu, your serial um, Vectus um, <laughs> auction bidder um what about you do you uh you hoping people keep these things quiet no i think like the boys have just just said it's impossible now we're living in a hands-on world aren't we everything's out there and open so anybody who's expecting not to get outed is living in a dream world and rich finally for someone who spends all his time at vectors <laughs> except this month when people really needed them exactly this yeah are terrible do you, do you think the thing that people? I mean, I think the forum voted actually for keeping auctions quiet. Do you think we're that that we got it wrong? I, I agree with what Grant and Jez and Stu have all said. There, anything that's big, you haven't got a hope now's chance. You know, you can't keep a Vegas auction quiet. You can't keep any of the auction houses quiet. But for me, an individual item. See, if I was watching a twelve-inch Tuscan Raider, um, I would be pretty devastated to see if that was you know announced publicly on the forum. Um, I would expect it on Facebook because that's a completely different beast and I think the forums have still got a role to serve um, and for me, no, I, I don't want to see that kind of auction um, unless, of course, it was utterly ridiculous 12-inch Tusk Raider loose for something like £20,000 I would accept that one being outed Yeah, I, I think there's far more sort of high-end spenders on some of the forums I mean, there are also guys out there who don't appear on, on SWF UK or Rebel Scum who we don't know about but so uh, yeah I think I, I, I do agree that, that for the smaller stuff we, sh- we should try and use some common sense thinking you know what I, you know, maybe I just, just run it past you know, someone who I know is you know into that sort of stuff if they are going to you know be bidding on it I mean unless it was a TIE fighter pilot auction and you're thinking oh I was going to put it in the forum maybe think twice that maybe Grant might be watching it maybe you- You've just said something there, Pete. You said common sense. I don't think oh, sorry, you yeah. can put a rule in place on the forum of certain outings because it's impossible to police. Yeah. It comes down to common sense, and we're in a place where we don't do that. I think it's impossible for someone to come on and say, right, ban in this, this, and this. 
because the mods would have a nightmare ever trying to do it. And I think too many rules is what's always been fantastic about Star Wars Forum. So I think it's impossible to police, and I don't don't think they should have have the rule. Now the auction itself that we're actually talking about the, uh, the it, it was mostly sort of baggers and mailers. Now I've I'm not an expert whatsoever. I don't even have a baggie or have no intention of ever buying one. Uh, the early bird sets, uh, that is kind of something that does intrigue me and I would like to own one. Now, some of the prices of these were pretty impressive. There was uh, a 15 pack uh, box and seal figures lot and I went for $4,900 which was just amazing. There was also an early bird set that went for 3600 There was also the early bird set with the seal figures and the, the little stand uh, that also went for 2900 I mean, these are incredible prices for what Richard would call mostly packaging. Um, so I think it's it, it, it's an auction where I wonder if Frank actually did bid on much of these mailer packages because uh, that, that was some serious cash going on down there. Did any of you guys were tempted by any of this stuff? Rich, you hate packaging, so I'll ignore you. Stu, these are some crazy good items. I haven't got an inkling at the moment to go down a mailer route. Not in my collecting mindset at the moment. There's a nice early bird kit tray and mailer, empty. That's the one thing I would like. $800, but it was empty. It was just, it was just, just the mailer tray. Mm, that, that is something I'd like at some point. But Grant, you, you, must, you must have an empty empty piece of plastic in a box. I was uh, I was bidding on a few of the items there, some of those mailers, but I got smashed like three times as much as I'd normally go for. I wish I'd taken a bit more money on the C-3PO stand. Uh, the C-3PO's cereal stand that went quite cheaply. Yeah, I thought, but yeah, all the mailers went three times more than I'd expect them to. To be honest with you, Rich, you do actually have an early bird set, don't you? Um, no, I don't. I've got the gift certificate, but I don't uh, have the the tray. I do. There's a there was a tra- a nice tray there for eight hundred dollars. Well, just for the tray. Well, it was the, it was the early bird kit tray and mailer, but there was no figures with it. Yeah. Uh, do you know what that is? It did have the mail. If it had the mail away coupon, that that's what that was. The rest of it isn't worth that. The mail away sort of what you write name on. One of those coupons that comes with a mail away kit. It's never with any of the kits, and that's where the money is. The rest of it, you wouldn't be paying that much for a tray, surely. Well, oh, for the, no, for you know, pay a lot of money for a sign these days. <laughs> well, for the picture itself, it's just a plastic tray with the the five little holes in, and a box with a label on the box. That was it. I thought the coupon came with the gift certificate. What coupon would have come with the tray when you've already got the figures with it? Yeah, this is this is just a tray in a box. Yeah, because the gift certificate came with the early bird certificate, which you can never find because most of the kids opened the certificate and then used the coupon to redeem against the early bird tray with the four figures. So for the for the tray to be for sale with the coupon makes no sense. Unless they returned the coupon with the kit. I, I think it's... You know, <laughs> this sort of stuff, I, I just it just doesn't get me at all. It just doesn't float my boat whatsoever. I, I understand it, and I would like one with all the figures in one day, maybe, but an empty tray and an empty box just seems a lot of money, $800. What's that? Just about 490 quid, roughly. And it's not even that amazing condition, either. Um, I don't think most of the trays are, to be honest. Maybe they're really flimsy plastic. Yeah. They're super cheap, like, super, super cheap. Um, again, we had another Vectus auction with some ridiculously high-end stuff in it. Um, we had another Death Star, and this time the first one went 
for four for five thousand five hundred, and this one went for four thousand eight hundred. So they're coming down in price um, again. But it was absolutely mint. Uh, a beautiful box. I think it was a slight wave in it, but that was it. But the box again, um, we, we've seen that um, to hand, and it is it was is brilliant. So they are coming down. The prices are coming down. Um, there was also a, a bunch of twelve back palatoys, and um, it was quite noticeable that some of these did actually go for not ridiculous prices. There was a, I think, a slight price drop in pretty much all of them. Um, I know we've seen some crazy price in the past, but I did a quick sort of tally up of what has been sold at Vectis recently, um, or over the last sort of year, and just to go through the prices. Now this is for a twelve back Vader, uh, Palatoid. Some of the most of the qualities are listed as mint or near mint, so. They're all kind of about the same sort of standard. Um, starting early part of last year, we had 2,100, 1,600, 1,500, 1,700 coming into this year, 1,400, 950, and then the one recently, uh, this month, was 800 pounds. Guys, have we seen a top of the of the market on Palatoy 12 backs? Because there's definitely a slight fall at Vectors Auction on these recently. Do you think we're going to see them coming more into line because they are appearing at a, a reasonable rate? Yeah, well, I, th I think we've got the point now where the guys, the two, three, four, five guys who've been looking for these items have now got them. Um, and that we're now seeing the next group of guys coming through and picking up what's left over. And, you know, perhaps when we've got the next dozen out the way, if more appear, I think we'll, we'll see them starting to drop again. Because it's a pretty big fall to go for a year between 2,100 and £800 for pretty much the same figure. FX7, that was for sale. I mean, that was a classic example, wasn't it? Was that must be pushing a year now, where that one went for sale for over 7,000, and then did the second one go for sale for about three? Yeah, but I, I think that 7,000 was what, what you kind of alluded to earlier, that that um, sometimes it's not a reflection of the actual market, because if you get a couple of lunatics going for it, you will push that price up. But uh, yeah, some of those, those prices about a year ago, those were the, the the crazy prices. It was around about sort of February, where we had you know, pretty much everything going for thousands and thousands and thousands. So, uh, Stu, does this convince you now to go for your uh, twelve back set? Let's just start off with getting one or two. I think <laughs> I was actually found your your numbers quite interesting on the old um on the old sheet, your Darth Vader, where back in two thousand and thirteen you've got it down October. That's twelve hundred pounds, and that last one's selling for eight hundred. That's a come down from what twenty odd months ago. It is by four hundred quid. But if you see how how it rose in the middle, I mean, in two thousand fourteen yeah, yeah, was a real massively, yeah, real increase. And even this year, it's it started off. But I mean, I mean, also see how many we've had. I mean, <clears throat> between thirteen and fourteen, we only had a handful, and then suddenly, you know, this year we've had at Vectors Auction anyway. Uh, real good quality ones. I mean, there were other ones, but some were. Yeah, there was a resale in there. There was a few ones a bit ropey quality. I mean, these are the ones that are sort of the same quality, but we've gone from almost half price. Our oh, Vector's getting too many of the same kind of figures through. You'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd, uh, I mean mm. beforehand. I mean, I, I when I was doing some research on this, I, I, I hadn't really come across many. I mean, I think that's that's. I mean, I had a little chart of 12 backs and, and various prices and it was really hard to find some of them now I can find the whole lot you know, or the whole, whole set you can find that has been up for sale somewhere and Palatoys as well so I guess the price is going to come down So, which is kind of weird really because we're talking about prices going up but um, I think I think considering that there is such a huge gap between Kenner and Palatoy 12 backs um, 
you know the price are getting ridiculous that I think they are going to slightly come down. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's an advert for what's going to happen to the future of Star Wars collecting post Force Awakens. Maybe this is a good example of what will happen. Could be, yeah. I mean, these things are definitely coming out out the woodwork. I mean, I guess because the collectors are seeing these um, prices, and if anyone, anyone did kind of like buy a lot of stuff the last you know year and a half, and they've started to cash in, that um, they're kind of getting found out really. So maybe maybe it is a good thing, and actually the the pure collectors can actually start to get hold of some of this stuff. But that doesn't still doesn't detract from some of the crazy prices we have seen recently. But I mean, it's, I think I think on this particular thing of twelve back palatoys that maybe we are seeing a bit of a levelling off of, of some of those things that we think are worth lots of money. But also the, the auction, there were some there were some kind of crazy prices. I mean, I think we've got a new definition of the Klaatu um, uh, mint on card that um, there was, I think it was about 27 hand trenches. Now, that's a figure that, that I've never really had much kind of enthusiasm about. But there was absolutely loads, and they were going... In a in a three a threesome usually with um, what we call Jabba goons for around about the 120 to 150 mark, which kind of values each of those figures at around about the 50 pound mark. You add on top of that all the fees. I mean, hand trench coat is he going to be the next kind of like the figure that everyone really doesn't want to get hold of? Does anyone have one? Do you know what? I'm embarrassed to say I don't actually have a Klaatu mock. Nor do I. I was thinking of buying one. Because it's always been the cheap one. I've always <laughs> just thought uh, I'll get him at another time and I've just never got around to getting it. Well, I started kind of like, thought, I, I, I didn't really, you know, you know I haven't got a, like a mock focus, I just kind of like the ones I like. But I thought, well, I'm just going to start kind of hoovering up some of the cheap ones because it'd be quite nice to have a large amount of them. Uh, I haven't got a Clarty yet, but I'm really tempted. But if hand trench coat is going to start coming down in price, then it might be, might might be seen worth it. So it, it's always gone over my radar. I've not really been that that enthused by it, but I don't know. I would I wouldn't say hand trench is that much of a valid figure to be honest. I think I'd put it only just above the Clarty uh, Gamorian Guard. Oh, I do look Gamorian Guard. I've just I just bought one of those off Ian, but. Uh... <clears throat> just it just seems to be something that that's, that you you tend to notice the fact that these these threesomes were there and they were all every single one had a hand trench coat. I mean they are appearing on the forum quite regularly. I know Ian tends to sell one as well, but uh, they were kind of going for about sort of fifty fifty five mark. But and I know some people on Facebook groups are doing the same thing. But I think they're going to be coming down to Klaatu style prices. So, Grant, do you do you have a Klaatu out of interest? Yes, wait. What? I can't believe me and Stu don't have a Klaatu yet. In London Film and Comic Con last year, there were there were four carded figures for sale in the whole Comic Con. All four of them were Klaatu. <laughs> I think we need we need to kind of like celebrate the Klaatu. There's something about there's something about they've which... still got them for sale. In Swansea <laughs> Toys R Us. Yeah. Do you know what? I quite like it as a figure though. Yeah, always did as a kid. It yeah, was so it, it was a cool it was a cool figure. Apart from his little skirt, it was it was a cool figure. He looked mean. I like I like the skirt, especially the, um, yeah. the Mexican Lily Letty one. It's a bit like a sheep's uh, fur. It's really nice. I'm gonna get one before the next podcast. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to buy one. I don't know this. It's become sort of so untrendy that it's almost now trendy to have a Clarty. You've got a Clarty. You're not really a Star Wars collector, my book now. I didn't wouldn't normally speak to people who didn't have a Clarty, <laughs> but I find these days you have to lower your standards. I was actually I actually went to a convention the other day with someone who didn't even have a loose Darth Vader. Almost peeped in his face. What? That's Dan, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get him one. No, Lord, Ron, it's peaceful. We have no weapons. You, you can't... You prefer another target, a military target? Then name the... Blah, the... Uh, name it, now! 
you can actually bid on a lot of items at Vectis. But if you go to the, the live auction online, you don't actually know what you've bid on. And I think the system should be altered that you maybe have something in the corner of your screen that says you've bid on this item. Because, as you say, you can end up pushing your own price up in an auction. Now, I've been to, I've been to live auctions. I've seen people do this. There'll be a gap or a pause, and some lunatic at the back will start bidding his own price up. And you're thinking, okay, that's a bit odd. And it, and it shouldn't really happen. I mean, uh, most auctioneers that I've seen will actually kind of stop it and go, like, hey, look, you've, you've just bid on your own item. You know, you're already in the lead. And they'll actually say it. But obviously online... There isn't any of that sort of fail-safe. So I think it's something worthy to tell people about and make them aware of that. I think we need a flag that says, look, look you're already the highest bid on this, because I think, you know, it, it, will, it will annoy people. And we know you, Stu, you do like to have a lot of bids on items. The, thi- the thing is, at that last auction, mate, I had got... <laughs> I'd bid on 33 items, two that I was wanted, which I didn't get anywhere near the price. And then the other bits and pieces, I bid on when I'm just browsing it. Yeah. And... I put 50 quid bids on a few bits. You know, you never know what you're going to win. I just so happened to come in in the middle of the auction, sat down with a cup of tea. Something came up on the screen. I thought, 30 quid, that's all right. 35 next bid, I bid 35. It went straight up to 40. Then I found out that I'd won. And my bids had shown 30, 35, 40 quid. So I started added a tenner onto my own, <laughs> onto my own bid. But but on, on the, I mean, on the opposite hand, it actually stops me bidding because I've I've gone for a few bids and I go... Oh, I've got to go back. I've got to log in again. I've got to check what I bid on, and I just go, you know what? You know, I'm not actually that bothered now, and it does actually stop me bidding because I'm a tight git. Um, I'm not, I won't bid on thirty like you, like you have. But I mean, there is something that that, that again is worth note. Um, on the Invaluable.co.uk website, uh, which Vectors actually use for for some of their well, for most of their auctions, you can actually see what the bids are before the auction. So if you go on there, um, I don't know exactly how long they appear, but I guess as soon as the auction is up. So you can see how many people, you can see how many bids have been made and what the the current uh, bid is. So that might be a, a tool to use in future. I think yeah. uh, I, I didn't know that existed. So that might be a useful thing for people to use. But I will pass it on to Vectors because I, <laughs> if you have any Timmy stews around, you could uh, annoy annoy people with it. That night on Endor, the rebels celebrated at the Ewok village, laughing and dancing around a large bonfire. But Luke's thoughts were elsewhere. I I can't believe it's over, Leia. The Imperial fleet's destroyed, the Death Star exploded, the Emperor dead, and my father. Leia hugged him. Come join us, my brave Jedi. She led him back to their circle of friends. Heroes, together to the end. Now I want to welcome back Lee Pizzy for this month's Rapid Fire. Favourite Star Wars movie? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Favourite Star Wars scene? Han and Leia in the uh, hallway on uh, Echo Base. Favourite on-screen character? Leia. Favourite planet? You could say Bespin or Cloud City. Favourite line from the movies? Do or do not. There is no try. Favourite part of the prequels? It was 66. Uh, optimistic or pessimistic about episode 7? Optimistic. Which actor or crew member would you most like to meet? Harrison Ford. Favourite Sith? Vader. Padme or Leia? Leia. Favourite lightsaber jewel? Bespin Gang 3. Favourite figure as a child? Han Bespin. Favourite figure now? Leia Bespin. Which character do you wish they'd made a figure of? I'd say Tarkin. 
What is your favourite vintage Ewok toy? Ewok catapult. Your favourite toy vehicle or playset? Uh, Cloud City playset. Vehicle or playset you wish they'd made? Free, uh, carbon freezing chamber. Your favourite card back photo? Their best being. You grading is. Not good. And what is your holy grail item? My 31 back. Their best being proof. Right, Lee, thank you very much. Right then, so this month's rapid fire question for you little beauties is what is your favourite vintage playset? And let's start with Richard. For me, it's the Kenner Death Star PlayStation. What's not a like about it? Big, thick, bulky, lots to do, lots to play with. Sounds like you're describing Pete. Pete, what about yours? I don't think I ever had a, a playset as a kid, but I always re- I used to make out of paper mache the, uh, the Hoff thing. So I would go for the Hoff thing with the ProBot thingamajig. Your, your own homemade Hoff thing? I, the amount of times I made that out of paper mache was amazing, but and it only used to last like one play, and then I had to kind of use, you know, white sheets and stuff to kind of hoff it out of it. But that's when I was wanted. But no, I never had any play sets. I would love to have that one. Grant? I used to put like a white bed sheet on the floor and bang, instant hoff. Awesome. Uh, but apart from that, I don't know, mate, Ewok Village, I guess. Really? Yeah, man, love it. It's got swinging ball, it's got nets, it's got, like, you can jump through the tree, you can cook people on it, it's got a banging drum if you want to have a party, it's got everything, mate. Jez? Prior to anyone emailing in to point out a mistake of Richard's, alright, obviously this isn't a mistake, when Rich just said my favourite was the Death Star PlayStation, he meant the Death Star Playset, yeah, because obviously we didn't have the PlayStation Yeah, I didn't have any playsets as a kid either, so I just remember Star Wars-wise, I was doing loads of Lego, so my playsets were whatever I could make out of Lego, and you had the big, I don't know, what were they, say, 30 centimetre by 30 centimetre flat grey Lego things, which had the little moon craters on, and you could use those as well to create scenes. So um, it appears, actually, that we didn't really have these playsets as kids. How, um, How strange. Well, my favourite has to be the Palatoy Death Star. I had uh, my brother had one as a child, so I grew up with that, and it's still my favourite now as well because um, I bought one at Christmas, but I've yet to build it. So that's something to look forward to. Oh, can I build it with you? Oh, we could all get together and we could have a building a Death Star playset evening. I love. <laughs> right. I, I just want to correct Jesus actually, because I didn't mean to say PlayStation. What? I meant to say Space Station, not Playset. It's the Death Star Space Station. Right, let's go on to feedback, and I just want to state that we truly appreciate all feedback and comments on each of the shows, so keep them coming via the forum, email, or any of the other social outlets. Now, Rich, I believe you had a fair amount of feedback from episode 14. Big thanks to everybody who sent either an email, um, a PM, a post on Facebook, or on Stars Forum UK. They've all been read and they're all appreciated. Uh, the first thing I want to address is the playback issues. iTunes was crashing on a lot of downloads or when skipping and rewinding. I just want to reiterate there wasn't a problem with our uh, recording or how we uploaded our podcast. It was clearly an iTunes issue. Um, Android users and those accessing for Podbean online did not report any problems. And from doing a bit of research, it, there is an iTunes glitch every now and again on podcasts. So sorry, guys, but there's really nothing we can do about that one. Um, if you find any more, just let me know and you know we'll keep complaining to iTunes. Not that they take any notice of it. 
Um, it's very pleasing to say that many people commented with great, uh, the same great show just under a new name, which is exactly what we were going for. We had a lot of concerns, a lot of questions um, around episode 13, uh, a little bit of worry, but um, hopefully we'll put all that to bed now and let's all move on together with episode 15 and beyond. Um, a couple of guys have enjoyed the fact that we're pulling Elliot items from all over the world now, not just from um, stores from the UK, just to broaden their eyes. And hopefully Jez's Elliot section tonight's been another shining example of why we really need to change the name and focus. As Jez mentioned, anything that's unusual, very real, just downright cool, just give us a shout and we'll have a look at it. Uh, lastly, the I would like to mention the banter and what a lot of people see is um, the bullion of me. Can I just say that the other four guys who at present are keeping seats warm until better replacements turn up, like cardboard cutouts of salacious crumb or something? They're enjoying their moment as a collective nuisance, but know exactly where the line is and how not to cross it. Um, actually, guys, can I just say that Ross Barnett interview, when I was wearing nothing but my boxer shorts, said it was clear that I'm the poster boy of the group, the most humorous with the most interesting things to say, so cheers, Ross. Big shout out to everybody who listened to our show, really appreciate all your support, and I'm very pleased to say that the downloads for episode 14 have been absolutely fantastic, and we're all overwhelmed. Thanks very much, guys. Right, so you can leave us feedback or contact us via our email, swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter at SWTVR Podcast, and now on Instagram where we've started to pick up a few followers. You can find us on there by searching The Vintage Rebellion. Also, if you're a new listener to the podcast, you can find all of our previous episodes at swtvrpodcast.podbean.com, or they are still currently all available on iTunes. Also, if you like our podcast, and once a month isn't enough for you, although multiple listens is always recommended, you can download some other collecting podcasts that we recommend. The one I recommend more than any other is the Kivecast. Apart from us, this is the only other podcast I know that features solely with the vintage toys. Um, a good place to start with that is the uh, current podcast there, episode 63, where they focus on the Attack Commander. Yes, Joe, I've listened to every episode of the Kivecast. I've got to see those guys are having a blast, and it's great to hear some of the stories. Yeah, I absolutely heartily recommend that one. Yeah, I think the recent Clivecast was great, but don't forget the guys at Bounty Hunters podcast as well, and of course our friends at Galaxy of Toys is another uh, one worth listening to. Right, so finally, lads, I'm going to introduce a little competition between the four of you that will run the rest of the year and will always be included in the close of the show. Now, each month we will have a little segment. It might be sound, it might be sight or something, but each month you will all get the chance to collect up to three points, and the one with the most points come the end of the year will win the coveted Vintage Rebellion Knowledge Trophy. I wouldn't want to be the one who finishes bottom of this because I will really ridicule you. And I'm going to get my, my dear creative wife to make Alps and Beta Toys a very special trophy. And so this month it's going to be straightforward questions, four categories to select from. But once they are gone, they are gone. You only get 10 seconds each to answer each question, OK? So tonight's questions rounds are Poppy Picker, Three's Company, A Start of New Hope or Try Low No. And we're going to go alphabetical order of surname. So, Jez, can you select one of those four categories? Menage à trois. You're going for the threes company, okay? Oh, right. So, Jez, you've got ten seconds for each answer, and I will only accept your first answer as soon as something comes out of your mouth. So, from the original three-pack exclusives, which three figures were included in the droid set? Death Star droid, R2-D2. And one more? C-3PO. Okay. You have got one of the three right. The Death Star droid is in there with R5-D4 and the Power droid. (laughs) 
You start you start this with one point. Okay, so the second surname will be Grant. So Poppy Picker, a start of a new hope, or try Lono. Uh, Poppy Picker, mate. Poppy Picker. Okay. There were fifteen figures released by Poppy. Seven of them were from original twelve figures. Name three of the other five original twelve figures which didn't feature in one of the wonderful Poppy boxes. Oh, good question. Sam Pearson, Jawa, and can't even remember us in the first twelve. Oh, it's Ben. No, not Ben Kenobi. Oh, I would have to go for Death Squad Commander. Grant, you got maximum points. Bam! The five, the five that weren't featured were Sam Person, Jawa, Death Squad Commander, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Princess Leia. Okay, sec- next surname, Peter Davis. Then, so Pete, you've either got a New Hope or Trilono. Oh God, uh, Trilono. I just randomly come up with things. Go on. This will be easy if you listen to our podcast when we had uh, Joe on. Right. There were six figures that never made it onto a Tri-Logo card, not including the Hulk figures. And discounting both original 3PO and R2, name three of the other four which didn't make it onto a Tri-Logo card. Oh, my goodness. I could be here for a while. Greedo. Imperial Dignitary Fishy Man. And one more. I don't know. Romba. A romba. I've got a Romba Trilogo. I've also got a Greedo Trilogo. Um, right. You scored, Pete. Naught, None. I'm afraid. Hey. It was Fallon, Death Squad Commander, Power Droid, or Warus Man. So, Rich, you have got a start of New Hope, which, in my opinion, is the easiest of the four questions here. So, from the beginning of A New Hope, which are the first characters you see on screen that made it to the figure line? C-3PO, R2-D2, Stormtrooper, Darth Vader... How many am I getting? Just the first three, mate, and it was the easiest question. Oh. There's always going to be an easy one in there. Well done, mate. Maximum points. So, all relatively easy. That wasn't it, boys. So, we've got Grant and Rich, who are currently on three, and Jez is on five, and Pete is on naught. So, make sure you're all listening carefully next month, because it's going to be a Sounds of Star Wars round. And, uh, Jez, make sure you've got your hearing aid turned up. Right. So another show that has gone way too quickly, boys. Before we go, I just want to say a huge thank you to Lee Pizzy. Dave Tree, Mark Walsh and Ross Barr for taking their time to speak with us on this month's podcast. So that is us done for another month. Please, if you have the time and can come along, get yourself down to Farthest Rom. I know it may be a long trip, but it will certainly be worth it. All the previous shows I've been to have been excellent, and this one will no doubt match previous events with both Shane Turgeon and Matthias Rendell attending and doing book signings, which is exciting in itself. Jez, are you coming or not? Because you, I get, get mixed mixed feelings from you off the podcast, off the um, forum. <laughs> there is a chance it might happen for me, so um, I might not know until that weekend. Lovely, lovely. And what what would you be looking forward to seeing your lovely podcast friends? Yeah, just having a beer. It's been a while. Now, Rich, sadly, you can't be there, but Dave Tree has got an exciting VIP offer. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? I certainly can, Stu, but part of us might be a father's form because I'll actually flush the toilet on the plane as it goes over Fordham Bridge, so I'll try and uh, take good aim. Dave's introduced a a VIP package for the first time, and as part of the VIP package, you get one adult entry uh, early bird on the Sunday of the 2nd of August. You get a father's form Admiral Flock Bar greetings card, a father's form Flock Backer greetings card, one Black Series Boba Fett unused backing card, which is immense. They're going to be very popular. An exclusive Force United Celebration Anaheim patch. An exclusive Force United set of six Celebration Anaheim trading card sets. An exclusive Force United Celebration Anaheim trading card uncut sheet. 
a Star Wars Forum UK pin badge, a Star Wars Forum UK sticker, and two drinks vouchers for water, tea or coffee at Father's Forum on the 2nd of August. What more could you ask for a very, very cheap £25? Okay, so all that information is on Dave Trees. All the cool stuff on his Facebook site and at www.allthecoolstuff.co.uk. Rich, that VIP thing sounds phenomenal. Considering what you get, the fact is, because there's usually so much good stuff for sale at Father's From, and you get the, did you say you get the early bird access as well? You do, Jez, and it's very limited. Yeah, so you'll get in there, you'll be one of the first in there to see all the prize stuff, and from whenever I've been to Father's From before, a lot of the purchases happen in the first five minutes, so... How much do you say those were? Twenty-five. £25, it's a bargain. Nobody wants sloppy seconds. That is, that's a fair show, because if you want to get something special that weekend, uh, VIP is a well good show. Right, so it is farewell from Richard. Later, guys. Ciao from Grant. Thanks for listening. It's goodbye from Jezebel. See you later, fellas. And au revoir from Petey. Get off my land. And until next time, it's good night from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Real sets practical effects you've been here but you don't know this story nothing's changed really i mean everything's changed but nothing's changed that's the way you want it to be really